0: Thank you, thank you, gentlemen and done. Kind of it
1: was bad, right? No, it was good, it was good Hey everybody, brand new podcast It's uh, Bert and Leanne in the Man Cave um, If you're just listening to this now Leanne is not my co-host She's just my wife Who thought I was your co-host? I'm just saying, like, I don't know if you just were like Whoa, I love Joey Diaz, who's this woman? We just hang out my, It's my wife, I like to do my reads with her Because I'm really unorganized and Leanne helps us do ads, and, and, uh, and she's awesome. She's starting her own podcast called Leanne's Pussy.
0: Shut up. I am, it's, that's not what it's called. It's
1: called <laughs> I don't know what it's called. That's what crazy. a great, fucking, amazing day. Yeah. What an amazing, fucking day. Totes. Happy Fourth of July, everyone. Uh, belated. It's July 5th, if you're getting this. Um, I am slacking on the Mickey Gall podcast. Mickey Gall podcast, I have one hour recorded, and then we hit stop. And then I move that to my computer, and I I can't find the card that it's on. I have the card. I just can't find it. I have to go through the cards. I have literally 250 podcasts on those cards, and I have to find it, and it just takes a while. So let's let's build to the Mickey Gall podcast. It's a good one. It's a really good one. We get boozed up in the man cave, and we. it's a fun one. And I've got an hour of it, but I, don't, I want to release the whole thing. I don't want to just cheap shot you guys. So my buddy came over, Joey Diaz. That's his joint right there, baby.
0: I see that.
1: I said to Leanne last time, I said, hey, have the girls come in and say goodnight to Joey before they go to bed. And then immediately when the podcast started, I texted Leanne and I said, what did I say?
0: Don't have the girls come back here. Marijuana in all caps. <laughs> I was like 10-4.
1: It's the best thing about Joey. I lo- I love Joey so much. We spent uh, the morning with Joey down uh, doing a... We talked about it in the podcast. You'll hear about it. But um, spent the morning with Joey. And it was so cool. I love that guy. So. I, I love hey, The podcast is about him. This is his... Po- uh, we're about, we, just me and him hanging out. Um, but I had a great day today. I really had a great day. We had a... I talk about this in the podcast also. But like when we first moved here, 4th of July was something Leanne pushed for. Like, hey, they've got a big parade with bikes we should go do it. And I was like, I don't like I have a problem with um people, I think, or social I have social anxiety problems. And uh we ended up doing it. It was really great. And we haven't done it cuz we've been in Alabama every year since. And this is the first year we did it since and it was fucking phenomenal.
0: It was. It was really fun.
1: Just a really great day. And now Leanne's whole family's here.
0: Yep, Papa J.
1: We got uh, we got a party of 4 as I head off to Columbus columbus this weekend i think also shows are sold out um i am proud to say that i am genuinely proud to say that hey i don't know what's going on with my career i do know i'm getting recognized a lot okay time out what
0: this microphone smells like pot (laughs) like my hand now smells like pot smell my hand wait hold on i have my nose is stuffed up no smell my hand Oh sh! Right, it smells <laughs> so bad. I'm going to wash my hand. I might get a contact high from this microphone. Your microphone. Your hand I smells mean, like it is pot. So bad. Your hand smells like. Pot, I swear to God. It's really <laughs> bad. Was he holding the joint in his hand while he held the mic?
1: He was. Uh, he was.
0: Uh, maybe we should put some Clorox wipes on this mic or oh, something. Oh, that
1: mic totally smells like pot.
0: The mic. Your hand.
1: Your hand smells oh, like... Oh,
0: the side of the mic smells terrible! <laughs> oh my God! Don't let our children touch this mic! Holy <laughs> Joey! Oh, oh, that's awful!
1: He is such a great fucking guy. My one of my favorite moments of the today was uh, we're getting ready to leave the parade. We had this big parade in our in our neighborhood that we talked about. You'll hear it on the on the podcast and. um and, uh, Joey and his family came and the girls, this is the coolest thing. The girls were like, Hey, we want to go find his daughter. Um, I, they know her name, but I'm not, I'm gonna, I don't know if we say his name. Yeah. 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 But, uh, want to go say goodbye to her and I was like, okay, go find Joey. So they run over and find Joey and Joey was doing a periscope with a woman, Joanne,
0: Joanne fam,
1: Joanne fam. Fan, fan,
0: fam, p h a m, fam, fam.
1: Binder on. Uh, we we did a periscope. You got to be catching it at the tail end of it, but it was really cool. We did a periscope, and Joey hung out with her, and then George and Isla rolled up on Joey, and Joe. It was just so cool. It's so cool to have like a community. Yeah, it really is.
0: Yeah, it that's is the really thing cool. That
1: blows me away.
0: Our little pocket here is kind of like 1950s,
1: and I love that Joey's involved in it. I love that Joey's a part of this pocket.
0: Yeah, I mean, the pocket, the cool thing about it is there's a lot of people in this pocket that are pretty, like, unhinged in a certain way. Yeah. And at the same time, very, very accomplished professional people. There's a lot of musicians in this neighborhood.
1: Joey was talking to a guy that I knew, I knew from movies, but I didn't know who it was. Yeah. This morning, and I was like, how cool, I don't know, I just, I'm it's super happy.
0: very unpretentious, and.
1: it's And you know what it is, it's all the people that are like, like me and Joey. Like, I wouldn't say famous, but like,
0: no, yeah, you know who yeah. we are.
1: Like if you're a fan of it, you get it. And uh, but like working like, talent, working talent, yeah,
0: it, that's what this neighborhood is. And then we all get out on our lawns and decorate our bikes and ride around the neighborhood for the Fourth of July, and it's the sweetest, like the sweetest thing. We lost our kids at we the lost parade. our kids,
1: and by the way, you know I am yeah. hardcore not lose my kids.
0: Yeah, and we were like, ah, oh, they're fine. They know every single person just about on this route. We're ending up at the park. The, every, every way you turn, they know somebody. So And when, then when I fine. found the
1: girls, I said, hey, have you seen your mom? They go, no, Joey's over on the rock. And right. I went, oh, and then you would run into Joey.
0: Right. I ran into Joey, and they knew where the girls were. Terry said, they're over there with the bikes under that tree, and that's where they were. It's very cool.
2: Uh,
1: I'm very, very, We're very, very blessed.
0: We are. We are. And you married a smart woman who chose this neighborhood. I chose this neighborhood. Um, I love this neighborhood. I do too. Never leaving. I'm leaving. Maybe not. Maybe not never, but I don't want to leave anytime soon.
1: I don't want to leave anytime soon. I love that Joey's got a whole fucking lifetime here.
0: I know. He's starting Colfax.
1: That's okay. We talk about it. We talk about the whole thing on the podcast.
0: I mean, that's going to be interesting. PTA meeting.
1: A Joey Diaz PTA meeting? Yeah, I'll come right. back for a Joey Diaz PTA right. meeting. Listen, cocksucker. I fucking <laughs> object to <are> her being president. <laughs> Fuck you in the mouth, bitch.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Um I'm gonna slow this. I'm gonna I'm gonna minimize this ad only because I don't want to lose you from listening to it, and I want you to listen to it. Okay. Today's <laughs> podcast is brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery system in the country. We love Blue Apron as a family. I And you know I say this, and I say this from my, the bottom of my heart. Um, it has brought our family dinners much closer together. Instead of going to Gelson's and getting two baked turkeys or baked chickens and, and coming over and trying to make some potatoes and buying their sides, which are overpriced, you're getting everything for under $10. A person. A, a person. Thank you, Leanne. That's why you're here because I'm a little buzzed. Um but it 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 we sit and eat dinner every night together as a family, and that is what they say: a family that cooks together, eats together, uh, lives together. It's it's their motto. Um, stays together. Stays together. Plays uh, together. The food, and I say this because it does matter is sourced sustainably under standards developed in the partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. Beef and chicken and pork come from responsibly farm-raised animals. The produce is sourced from farms that practiced regenerative farming. farming. Um, Look, the deal is it's cheap. It brings your family together.
0: It's delicious. And and it's delicious. And And it's pretty easy. Once you, you know get the rhythm down i i so prefer cooking blue apron to cooking something i come up with myself
1: it's really cool to get into a brand and i say blue aprons a brand because it is a brand. Yeah,
0: absolutely
1: and i and to hear your kids go hey do we have a blue apron tonight
0: they do every night isla says is this a blue apron meal before and, she eats it
1: and we're not bullshitting that's the no, f- greatest no, no. part about this is this is coming generally from my heart yes they are paying for this but i don't I, I, will, I want you to buy them so I don't lose them because I love their fucking meals and by the way, if I lose them as a sponsor, I'm still getting blue apron. That's Absolutely. how much we love them.
0: We gave blue apron to your mom for mother's day yeah yep she they they love it they're losing weight on it because you know everything is portioned, and it's That's a biggest, reasonable calorie. Yeah. It's not a weight loss food service but by default you end up eating healthier and an appropriate calorie amount if you portion it out the way it is recommended so Leanne, that's a great side effect
1: liam the upcoming meals seared chicken and creamy pasta salad with summer squash and sweet vegetables cha-ching creamy shrimp rolls with Quick pickles? Oh, we've done these quick pickles before.
0: And we did quick kimchi last week. You loved that. Oh, my
1: God. The, uh, and and sweet potato wedges. The quick kimchi was fucking amazing. Yeah,
0: it was really good.
1: I had the quick kimchi when I landed from the plane.
0: And ate the my, whole thing almost. After my
1: tour dates that were killing my heart. Fresh basil fettuccine pasta with sweet corn and cubanella peppers. Chili butter... Oh, this is what one I'm going to like. Chili butter steaks and Parmesan potatoes and spinach.
0: Delish.
1: Here's the deal. I'm not going to bother you with this anymore. You know I love this brand. I, I, I promote it because I do love it. Our family loves it. And uh, and I know a lot of you guys are just like me. I, I see you in the meet and greet lines. And you are an, <laughs> a little bit overweight dude with a beard. <laughs> Maybe losing your hair a little bit. You're probably wearing a baseball hat. You got a chick a little hotter than you. you and you got a family. And you got one weird kid. And you got one normal kid. The That's, a little, percenter. that's a little too sensitive. <laughs> I know all of you guys. Uh, I see you guys in the meet and greet lines. And I appreciate it. I'm telling you from my family to your family. Get Blue Apron. It makes it so much fucking fun.
0: It is great. We, we genuinely, sincerely enjoy this company
1: it's affordable the variety of of options are insane if you don't like stuff you can change it it's flexible it's easy and it's guaranteed it's the freshest thing you're going to get out there here's the deal check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash burtcast you'll love how it feels You'll love how good it feels, how good it tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. You've heard me right now. I'm saying it all the time, every time you see me. And you say it in the meet and greet lines. You're like, hey, man, I love your fucking Blue Apron. It's not my Blue Apron. It's your Blue Apron. Go to blueapron.com slash birdcast. You get your three free meals with free shipping. Go to blueapron.com slash birdcast. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And I would argue a better way to live.
0: I would agree definitely a better way to eat
1: yeah that kimchi was fucking phenomenal yeah um hey thank you blue apron thank you blue apron yeah honestly uh this is a over three hour podcast and i'm doing a read that's already long enough let's do tour dates by the way tour date posters are at every venue we're doing exclusive drops of tour date posters are you leaving right now i'm looking at you putting the mic down
0: i was about to you were going
1: yeah. into your family
0: i was going to if that's okay yeah of course i still have to clean the kitchen
1: leanne's uh from family my, drove here from georgia they did her her father her his girlfriend um and my uncle, aunt, and uncle, yeah. aunt and uncle and they're in the living room with our daughters and our daughters have a foul sense of humor <laughs> so i think we, we should go uh measure that alright go ahead I'm going to post the right. podcast I'll see you in a little bit
0: alright love you babe
1: love you too um tour dates Columbus this week I think sold out I think there's one show left maybe a few tickets on Friday night early Friday show on the 7th uh, Pittsburgh 20th 21st 22nd uh, Hilarities, 27th 28th 29th of July sorry that's disgusting that I'm man I am buzzed Now that the the cats away, the mice will play. I got a Tito's and soda, and I've been partying all day. (laughs) It's been a great day. It really has been a great day. I am very blessed. Uh, That's all I'll say. Houston, August 10th through 12th. Brea. August 17th through 19th, stand-up live, August 22nd through 26th. That is the night of the Conor McGregor fight. I'm hoping someone pulls out of that fight, because on the 26th, I am Foxville, Denver, the 27th, 28th. Uh, what's next? Zip Recruiter. Uh, Singapore. <laughs> Singapore on the 9th uh, of September. Perth on the 11th of September, Sydney on the 13th of September, uh, Melbourne on the 14th of September, Sydney on the 16th of September, Brisbane on the 18th of September. That tour is going to be called Send the Body Back uh, because I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. I know how I get when I get excited and I get abroad and I have a good time and I'm not sure I'm going to make that Australian tour. Uh, This DC Improv last week of September, Edmonton, Chicago, Impractical Jokers Cruise, my birthday weekend, November 1, 2, and 3. There's a long read for a long podcast. That's it. That's it. Um, if you don't know who Joey Diaz is, uh, go fuck yourself. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you who he is. He is simply one of the greatest dudes I know, one of my best friends in the world, um, I, I love him like a brother. I genuinely do. There are a few people that I say that I really care about like a brother that if they fucked up into a, to a place where you go, I don't know, man, your wife's like, I don't know. That's f-. I go, no, no, no. I got their back still. Ari knows that he's one of those for me. <laughs> and Tommy is never a guy that's going to put himself in a situation, but he's one for me. Joe, uh. Doug, <laughs> like there's a lot of people I love in this world. But man, I love having this guy in my life. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. You're gonna absolutely love it. Ladies and gentlemen, Joey Diaz.
2: This is
3: a gun dog. <laughs>
1: How many times have we planned to do this and it falling out? (laughs) When I pulled
3: up, I go, he ain't home.
1: Are you serious?
3: Yeah, I go, he ain't home. No, of course I'm home. I'm even scared to call him because he's going to tell me he's somewhere else and he'll be in 20 minutes. No. I was out there like a quarter to nine and a friend of mine called me from Jersey. I went to San Francisco last week. Yeah? I took the girls and I met my buddy from Jersey that that had a nine-year-old daughter and I've been hanging out with him since we were kids, since we were 14. And it was so funny. We were at dinner the first night. And I looked at him and I go, remember the night that we went to see The Evil That Men Do with Charles Bronson on a Sunday night? We walked to the movie theater. He's one of these guys that likes to walk. Yeah. Like in the weirdest times. You'd be fucking having they'll go, let's walk. We walked to the movie theater like two miles away, walked back. And then we stayed out, and we got fucking hammered. And I go, you remember that night? He goes, yeah. I go, did you ever think that we'd be eating dinner in our 50s with our daughters at a dinner table in San Francisco?
2: Yeah.
3: It was just mind-boggling. I mean, I knew this kid since, you know, I've been at the hospital with this guy. I've been in 1,000 places with this guy. So to be at a dinner table at a restaurant eating, and I'm talking to his daughter, and it's just like, I know his mother. I grew up with the mother. Like, I grew up with the mother when she was dating somebody else. Like, when we were 14, she was... When I was 16, she was 14. Like, I've known the mother that long since yeah. she was an 8th grader. And I was a sophomore in high school. I've known the the girl's mother. And now she dates him. They've been married for, like, 9 years, 10 years or something. And it's just so weird how life turns out. Like, this guy I used to run scams with 40 years ago. Now... He's a top-notch longshoreman, you know. Well-respected, good money, great fucking apartment, and a building overlooking the George Washington Bridge. Just, it's really weird how life turns out, you know. Do you ever think? Do you ever think uh, like the sliding doors
1: scenario? Like, what would have happened had you not? Like, what would have happened if had you, had you made a couple
3: decisions and just stayed there? If I would have stayed in Jersey in 85, I would have died. You think? I know. know. You think just drugs or or bad shit? Just, I don't know. I was picking at the wrong beehive. (laughs) You know, you think about, like, I was thinking about young people. Like, I have two people that I hang out with that are pretty young. And the differences between both of those guys are the same age one's a comic, one's not One one's college educated, one's not the one that's a comic is not college educated, but he's so solid as a young kid, like I'm talking about Lee yeah, yeah, and yeah. my friend DiAgostino like, Lee went to college he's an intelligent guy but he but he bought the smoke and mirrors where DiAgostino didn't go to college and he didn't buy the smoke and mirrors yeah. like, Lee would do things that DiAgostino would never do like Agostino's a little bit more, uh, I don't know how to call it, solid in no a way. I love Lee. You know, I'm not yeah. saying nothing bad about him. These are just little things I noticed. When I was young, I had the same problem as Lee. I didn't listen. The mafia, what are they going to do to me? I know people. I didn't know nobody. What are they going to do to me? You know, I had already fucked with them a little bit with some jewelry that they wanted, and I robbed, and they tried to make me a deal, and I was like, fuck you. Yeah. I'm not giving you shit. I had robbed this house one time, and about, it was the weirdest thing. Like, I robbed it, moved the stuff. It was out of my mind. And about a week later, I'm taking a shower, and, and the people I'm living with go, hey, there's somebody at the door. And I go to the door, and I'm like, hey, man, what's up? And he goes, you don't know me. My name is such and such. I'm a friend of this person. We broke down what happened, and we know you robbed it. And we want the stuff back, all the money, within two days, Oh, we're going to send people to come get you. Like, I never heard back from them. Like, never. Yeah. Like, I told them, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I lied the whole time, and I denied it. But then I had picked this... Uh, I was robbing these drug dealers in the 80s, in the early 80s. And I was just robbing them on a weekly basis. Eventually, somebody was going to shoot me. Yeah. But I had robbed this one guy, and he was after me. Like, he... Even years after I was gone, my friends would say, dog, I saw that dude on the motorcycle at Corky's. Like, he couldn't believe it. And I had friends of his, and that guy that was looking for me is about 80 years old now. And he lives in Key West. And I have friends in Miami that see him, and he still says, If I ever see that motherfucker, tell him I'm going to put a bullet in him. Like every time I play Miami or Fort Lauderdale, like for a minute I worry about him. like Because yeah. he was that after me. Really? Like he was that. Like one day it was about a drug. It was about drugs. I didn't pay him his money, and I thought he was going to go away. Like everybody else goes away. After a while, they just go away. I didn't go. He didn't go away. This guy didn't stop. Like, I thought once that the last time I saw him be the last time I saw him. Two days later, I'm walking out of a hotel room, and he's chasing me on a motorcycle. Really? Yeah. He was 50-something at the time. Hold this me. guy was a fucking nut. And then Italian? Cuban? Cuban. And he chased yeah. me into a deli, and the deli owner told him, get the fuck out of here. And then I would hear from friends of mine, that dude was around. That yeah. dude was around. That dude was around. And then uh, this is the craziest thing. Like... I beat him in October of 84. Like in October of 84 was when that went down. He followed me and looked to me until like January of 85. Okay? June of 80, now I disappeared. I moved to uh, Cliffside Park, New Jersey. I moved to Dumont. I'm moving around a lot in those days. Yeah. But I, I settled on Cliffside Park like in February and I stayed there till June. I knew I was leaving in June. I knew I was leaving. I was getting a settlement from an accident and I just knew it. I had laid low for a while, I stopped snorting. I didn't go out at night. I didn't go to any of my usual spots. I lived. Did complete- you have dreams at
1: that time? Like did you did were you sitting on the couch going like I'm getting this money and here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start a uh, like did you have any insights on like what no. you wanted?
3: Yeah. No. I was twenty two And I had no idea what my next move was. I had no idea. No idea whatsoever. I would say, yeah, 22. And I, uh, 21. So I think
1: about that sometimes. Like, one of the things that, one of the things that I, that impresses me the most about you is that you're, you're calculated in what you know what you want. And you're calculated in how you want to do this business. Like, you're the reason I don't do Sundays. You're the reason I don't think anyone does Sundays anymore. Because the way you looked at it was you need to be for your family there Sunday, have Sunday dinner, be there Monday, be there all week as much as you can. And yeah, but
3: I, I didn't know this. I didn't, I didn't figure this out. When I was a feature act and I had no wife, yeah. I figured that out. Really? Like when I was a feature act making 500 a week, I was like, what am I doing here on a Sunday? Yeah. And then when clubs would hire me, I'd go, I can't do that Sunday because I'm shooting a movie. I mean, this went on for a while. Yeah, And I battled with Rogan. Before Rogan had his kids, he would always work Sundays. And i go, I'm leaving Sunday. Yeah. Joe, you can't do that. I'm leaving Sunday, bro. And then he started getting it. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday, you're just wasting my time. It's 100 people that don't really want to be here. And when you're not selling tickets, it's even worse. Yeah. when you pay for the room. That's Cincinnati, when they pay for the room. My Cincinnati Sundays were all black. Yeah. They paper the room, yeah. and you're dying. And the whole time, you're like, why? And they fuck you, because you can't even take a red eye out. The show ends right as the cutting point. It's it's always something. So yeah. at least if I can take a red eye out. As long as I'm back home by Monday morning, I'm good. But that's not
1: the... That's my thing right now. Is like I, I know I'll, I'm not saying I'll never get to the place where I'll be able to take a private jet but like i don't think i'll ever get to the place where i can rationalize spending that much money to fly private but i do get to these moments on the road sometimes where i go oh if i could get on a plane right Right now now,
3: yeah that's that's worth uh, that's worth a lot of money a lot of money a lot of money but But, no at 22 i had no idea because that's what i wonder like you're so no idea really i was looking for a miracle I was gonna bump into a suitcase filled with twenty kilos. Yeah, I was gonna rob some. I, yeah, I, so so I, I was looking for a miracle. Is a great yeah. That's Joey. That's so many people.
1: So many people, including myself, when I was in college, I was looking for a miracle. Well, like I could an inheritance that i didn't, I didn't know about
3: something. Something German bonds. <laughs> something. It was like something's gonna happen. Last night I was talking to somebody how flying is different now. Yeah, flying is so bad now because. People don't go on planes to get fucking habit no more. Twenty years ago, a plane was comprised of people walking around, talking, drinking, buying that guy a drink, buying that guy a drink. And I'll never forget. I was coming to Colorado. I was like, I was, I was getting to the story that I was, I this guy, I, I had last heard from my friends that he was looking for me in January of of eighty five. Yeah. And I never, and I still talk to my friends. They never brought them up again. And I was leaving on a Sunday from Newark at 4 o'clock. Everything in my life was going great. It was Saturday night. I had the cash in my pocket from the settlement. I bought some clothes. I squared with all my friends and then some. Like if, you, if I owed you 800, I gave you the 8, and I took you out, and I used a stolen credit card. And I got your suits, jewelry. (laughs) I took care of all my friends before I left. Anybody who brought me food in hotel rooms, anybody who gave me 20 bucks, when I took those credit cards, I took care of all of them. I had a girl that worked at uh, Joan and David's Shoes by Ann Taylor. Yeah, yeah.
1: She was a general (laughs) manager.
3: And she would read the cards from me and let me know how much was on them. Yeah. So she would let me know. So her deal was, you use the cards, you buy me a pair of fucking $600 shoes. Yeah, so I would go in there buy a pair of shoes. She'd tell me what was left on the card in those days, and I'd fucking rape, rape and pillage her mall. Yeah, you know, she was like the Willowbrook Mall in New Jersey. So that night, I get together with my friends, no snorting, and I go to this bar in Union City, New Jersey. Rule: I've been to Union City. Rule number one: Don't go back to where the war was. <laughs> I went right back into the heart of it. I'm at this place seven minutes, and my cousin walks in, who I grew up with. And he's a cop now, and I go up to him and give him a hug, and he's very like. He goes, "Hey, man, a lot of people are looking for you." He was in somebody's pocket at the time. He was helping yeah. these Cubans, and one of them was looking for me. And I'm like, "What are you saying? What cousins? You got, you sold me out? Huh? Well, you know." You can't be doing that. Who gives a fuck yeah. what I'm doing? As, you know what I'm saying? So I was strike number one. Like I knew something was, I just started talking to that guy two years ago. He even came out here and apologized to me. Your cousin? Yeah, he got thrown off the police force. The guy died that he was working for that was looking for me. And he came out here. And now I talked to him. He's a big time jujitsu guy. Oh, really? So now I talked to him, but for a long time, I wouldn't talk to him. Yeah. And I told him one time, I go, that day, and he, he apologized. He explained me what was going on. Not two minutes after that, this girl from high school comes up to me. And she goes, how you doing? Real hot, girl. Her kids come to my shows now. She's dead. One of the hottest women you've ever seen in your life. Big fucking tits, real. I never slept with her. We were just drug buddies. Yeah. She used to get me into Studio 54 and Xenons when I was 21 because she was so good looking. And she came up to me. She goes, can we have a word? And she goes, listen, did you rob that house? And I was trying to deny it. I'm like, No. And she goes, they know it's you, and they've been looking for you. They know it's you. The cops are involved, but I think they got the cops for the insurance. They're looking for you. And I go, okay. And she goes, if I was you, I'd go home because this bartender is friends with him. Oh, shit. So, I mean, I, I gave the bartender. That's something I would have never thought of. Oh, my God. I gave the bartender the tip, got in the car, and I couldn't stop shaking. Like this girl, because that, that, the robbery she was talking about was supposed to be like nobody knew who it was. Yeah, They thought it was me, but they really couldn't pinpoint where I was. It was me. And there was a lot of jewelry and a lot of blow, and these people were looking for me. They had called the cops and told them they didn't know who it was, but they knew. So I got in the car left. I said, it's over. It really doesn't matter because I'm going to sleep this off. I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm packed, and I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'm getting ready to leave. I got the four o'clock flight. I wake up, eat breakfast, talk to my roommate. He's going somewhere on a Sunday. So I got to take a bus to North Bergen, uh, uh, Kennedy Boulevard, and then take another bus to Jersey City where my friends is going to take me for a fucking, uh, to the airport. Yeah. I take the first bus. I get off at White Castle. I'm sitting there. I got my luggage. I got 18 grand in my pocket. I got another check for like ten grand from the bank, and I hear a motorcycle. But it's one of those yeah, 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 yeah. the Japanese one, the four stroke deals. where the guy's hunched over.
2: Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go, oh,
3: Gabby is too old to be hunched. I didn't. Even, no, no, I can't lie to you. I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah. I just heard this motorcycle. Looked up and I looked back. I didn't even think about it. And all of a sudden I hear, raw, 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 raw. Raw, 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 and. All of a sudden, the bike is getting closer to me, closer to me, closer to me, and it's the guy. And he flips open his thing, and he goes, you never brought me that fucking cash. He goes, I was just going for a Sunday ride. He goes, I always carry a gun. I went for a Sunday ride. I didn't carry my gun. You would have been dead right now. He goes, the next time I see you, I'm going to shoot at you, motherfucker. And he put his lens and took off. I got on that fucking bus trembling. I didn't have a weapon on me at the time. Yeah. I was scared shit that he was going to follow the bike. I got to my friend's house. I told him what had happened. We got in the car. He dropped me off in Newark. I was headed to Colorado Springs. But it Why was, Colorado Springs? Because a bunch of people told me to go to Colorado Springs. I hated Boulder. I had already been to Boulder. There was a bunch of hippies and shit. And it just wasn't <laughs> for Uncle Joey at the time. I was too uptight and shit. I can't imagine you in Boulder. And this black guy was like, you ain't going to Boulder? You go, no, he goes, you ain't going to Colorado Springs. That's a soldier town. Go to Boulder, that's pussy. At the time, I hadn't been laid in eight months. Really? Like, I hadn't gotten a piece of pussy since, like, November of 84. Yeah. It was July of 85. The plane was such a party. I hit on the waitress, and she bit. It was People, uh, People's Express. It was, like, 69 bucks direct to Denver from Newark. I used to use phony credit cards to fly on them because you paid on the plane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nobody remembers that shit. That's back when they had to... Yeah. I remember that. There cause... was no direct... They don't know you got robbed till they land a day later. Yeah. We went
1: to Greece and they had to use those. And, w- and my buddy just really insightfully goes, so just out of curiosity, how long does it take for you to ship that piece of paper to my bank before I get my thing? And the guy goes, three months. He was like... Oh, party shots for everybody.
3: <laughs> yeah, they don't, in those days. Yeah. So you had a couple of days, you flew for free. Yeah. We used to fly for free because they used to charge you on the plane. So they would give you a tab, and then let's say you got three sodas, two beers, a pillow, a salad, and they'd give you a tab at the end of the flight. Yeah. And you just give them a phony credit card. So you're walking around, is this is when you could smoke on planes too. You could smoke on planes. I wasn't smoking though. No. Really? I got on that plane. Wait, I was when did drunk. you start smoking? When I moved here. I never smoked a cigarette in my life until I moved to Los Angeles and I saw people smoking before they went on stage. Really? And I go, that's weird. Why do people smoke before they go on stage? You don't smoke anymore, right? No. You haven't had a cigarette in probably two or three years, yeah. four years maybe. I, I, I smoked some cigarettes last year when I was shooting my special for some reason. <coughs> I just shot some, just that night, I just, some guy was smoking, let me get a cigarette. But besides that, I won't smoke.
1: So you go to Colorado Springs. I'm headed to Colorado Springs. You're on the plane. People are walking around. Some black dude,
3: It was a party. It was a fucking total party. Yeah. And some dude's like, what are you going to do, Cube? I go, I think I'm going to go to Colorado Springs. He goes, go to Boulder. Right there, I made up my decision. I hooked up with the chick. We went to a hotel. We fooled around. I got up the next morning. Went to Boulder with my luggage. Got a Boulder newspaper looked around for an apartment, got a hotel for one or two nights, got the apartment up on the thing. When I was walking at the street, the other girl had a newspaper. Really? And she goes, excuse me, do you know where this is? And I go, no, I'm looking for this other address. Yeah. And she goes, are you looking for an apartment too? And we started talking. Really cute girl. We started talking, talking, talking. I go, I like that place. She goes, I'm going to get that place. So after we both moved in, I saw her on the street. Like a day later, I'm like, how are you? And we started talking. And this is in Boulder? It is in Boulder. This is yeah. my first week in Boulder. I just slept with the store. This. I had been on a fucking cold streak for eight months. I just slept with the stores. It's <laughs> kind of like in Boulder. I'm too. talking to this girl, and she's like, you want to come over and have a beer? I go, sure. We have a couple of beers. I smoked some pot. I had some pot from Jersey. I brought like an ounce just in case. <laughs> and we said, and out of nowhere, I'll never forget this. This girl goes, you know, I'm a virgin. But I love giving blowjobs. So I would just go over there a couple of nights a week and get a quick blowjob from
1: her. You're like, I'm a virgin too, but I yeah. love getting Oh, my t- God. <laughs> and she had like
3: a dirty roommate. Like a really pretty girl, girl that yeah. had a boyfriend like in the army or something. And like this went on, me and this girl, we never fucked. I never saw what her body looked like. She would just dispense blowjobs. That's it. Really? College girl. 24, maybe 23 I joined this gym, and they were the the girl I was messing around with belonged to the gym. So they have a barbecue one day at this resort in bowl. I don't forget this. And we all go. Well, I'm living there three weeks. Yeah. And I'm at the table with the roommate. And she's like, I really miss my boyfriend. And I'm like, Really? How long have you been with him? She goes, Oh, eight months, but I really miss him. And she goes, you know what I'm saying? For other reasons, I could really go for a cock and all this shit. I'm sitting at the table. They're playing volleyball. And I just look at this girl and I go, do you really need cock that bad? She goes, oh, my God, I would do anything for a cock. I go, what would you do? She goes, I'd suck it and then shove it in my pussy. And, I'm like, and there was a wall, like a brick wall, maybe three, four feet high. Yeah. I go, you know what? Right now, me and you could go right over there and nobody would know. She goes, I know. Let's go. And while they were playing volleyball and 20 other people from the gym, me and this girl climbed over that little brick wall and start, took off. I mean, we got naked. It was outside in the street. We got completely naked and started fucking like it was nobody's business. And then a roommate, the girl I was I'm
1: envisioning, giving, I'm envisioning oh my like God. the wall from, uh, from um, what's, the movie, uh, what's the movie about the prison? Uh, with Morgan Freeman and and uh, oh yeah yeah wasn't it it? It. Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption. Do you remember yeah. that wall at the very end where the guy yeah, yeah, hides yeah. the note? That's, That's how like. it
3: is. It's a wall. <laughs> then the girl caught me with her roommate, and that was it. We got into yeah. a brawl, and no more blows But it was like fuck. I slept with for fucking eight months. I couldn't get a piece of pussy, and then my first month here, I get like three pieces of ass. Three of them. Tremendous. Was it all white people in Colorado then? At that time, yeah, yeah. especially yeah. Boulder. Yeah, Boulder was weird. Boulder was great at that time. I could still fucking remember it like it was yesterday. I it took me about three or four days to get weed, and the girl that sold weed was next to me. She was about fifty five, ugly as all get out, and she had a twenty year old boyfriend who his father invented Q tip. Really? Like the grandfather? I'm just saying this, guys. Yeah, his father, his grandfather invented something huge. Like, he didn't have to work, yeah. his kids didn't ever have to work, yeah. and his kids would never have to work. And they played the whole hippie shit. Really? Yeah, he was a hippie. Even though the, he would get $80,000 a week in checks, he was a hippie, he was dirty, they made believe they had no money, they were those type of people. But yeah. they sold some tremendous weed. I bet. And I bought weed from her all the time, and then I met this Vietnam vet in there. His name was Ed, and that was yeah. my first friend in Boulder. If I was 22, Ed was maybe 30-something, and I, I I always thought he was a medic. Really? Yeah, like I always thought in my conversations, he said something about a medic. Now, I met Ed in 85, and I was always friends with Ed, but I never really went to his home. And after I got divorced in 92, he invited me to his house to get high one day, and he lived over by Chautauqua. He had a little house like this, and he paid like 400 bucks. The the army paid for it, or whoever he was in. I think he was an army ranger. Yeah. I always thought he was a medic. And I went to his house in 92. And it was like a house of horrors. And glasses. He had fingers. He had ears. He had been to the White House. He had won so many fucking medals that you couldn't even put him on the walls. He had done like three or four tours of Vietnam. I think his kill zone rate, I mean, the, the, the battalion he was in, they wrote a book about really? his name is in there, like a cold stone killer. They're the ones that come after and clean up everything and shoot everybody and make sure they're dead. He was one of those dudes. Really? And it was a really crazy experience because he was kind of not the smartest guy in the world. But he knew how to kill that was his main thing, was killing. And once I started asking him questions, it was fucking scary. Like a little something <laughs> for the for the podcast. A little protein. You know what I'm saying? A little protein overload. <laughs> like Boulder I always tell people that I grew up in New Jersey and in New York City, but I became a man in Colorado. And I'll tell you something, man. All those years I lived in Colorado I was around more killers than I was growing up. How so? I attracted those people in Colorado. Uh, So these were people that had a past, and they ship them off to Colorado. The service has a lot of those guys. In those days, I don't know what it is now. Yeah, I met probably three high-end service guys in Colorado in my 12 years there. Guys that were, like, I met a guy in Aspen that they would send a helicopter to come get him. Really? This guy would walk around, like, once in a while with his suit on, and it was just a fucking wall of metals. And he was, like, a colonel, lieutenant colonel, colonel, and he was still an advisor. And we were living in Snowmass Village, and the helicopters would still pick him up at Aspen Airport to take really? him to, like, weird places. And then there was this other guy I met. He was the scariest one of them all. He became my brother. He taught me everything. Really? And when I was 22 years old, he took my mind. And he was exactly what I needed, but not really. What do you mean? Like he... I went to his house a few times with his wife. I was friends with his wife. His wife would come over to where I lived with my buddies, and they would smoke. His name was Fred. Fred never really smoked. Fred sat at home and smoked cigars and drank beer. He was from uh, Norfolk, Virginia. Yeah. I went over there a few times to meet him. He didn't seem like anything special. We clicked, and he would say, if you want to sleep over, you can sleep over, and I'll take you back in the morning. So we would go over, eat dinner. Me and Joy would get high, and then me and this guy would watch TV. I left to New Jersey, and when I came back, Scarface was the big movie. And it wasn't out yet, on DVD, on uh, whatever yet. It hadn't hit. Yeah, Him and I were having a discussion one night about the weapon, and he was like, he looked at me weird, like, when Joy went to bed, he got up and he pulled his couch, and it was against a wall. And under that was a metal plate. And under that metal plate, that guy had a half a fucking battalion of weaponry. He had the Scarface machine gun. Shut he probably had up. three or four of those. That fucking, like, that, that like. A couple of rocket launches. So this guy, I, I, you know, at that time, my mission was to go to Colorado, clean out a little bit, get my head together, get a few weapons, and go back to Jersey and clean house. Yeah. That was the plan. Go back to Jersey and clean house. Maybe. Those motherfuckers that were fucking with me. Yeah. I'm going to go get them. They're yeah. They're going to come get me, No, I'm going to go get them. Yeah. So I started shooting with him on Saturdays. So on Saturdays, every fucking Friday night, I'd go to his house. His wife would pick me up. I'd go to his house. I'd work all week. Saturday morning, we'd wake up, and we'd go buy bullets for handguns, all the other bullets he'd make and get to me for the big ammunition. And we would just go shoot. And he would teach me how to shoot A to Z. Really? He taught me how to make explosives, how to do the wire stuff, how to kill people with gases. I mean, it was crazy. It was like an education. It was like a six month education of every Saturday and conversations on the phone. And then he had a plan. He wanted to rob Aspen Bank on Christmas Day on snowmobiles. What? Christmas Eve on snowmobiles, right before the bank closed. Oh, makes such a great fuck. Oh my God. Oh my God. It makes such a great Oh my God. Movie. This guy wanted to rob Aspen Bank Christmas Eve. Oh. He did the math because his wife was an accountant for one of the biggest businesses in Aspen and yeah. they figured out how much money goes into those banks during the Aspen vacation Yeah. so he wanted to rob Aspen Bank me, him and two other Vietnam vets he was friends with so he was training me how to do the, the mobiles he was teaching me how to do uh, alarm systems so what I was doing in turn was I was living in Snowmass Village robbing everything so I was practicing what he was teaching me Yeah. In Snowman's Village, like the moron that I am. So I would, my other roommate made me a tool and I would break into drug dealer's house. That would cover my drug habit. Yeah. So I would rob little drug dealers from time to time. Were you doing coke at the time? Oh, fuck yeah, but nobody knew. Really? I walked around like, no, I'm a straight guy. I was big. I had muscles. I worked out. So I told people, no, I don't do drugs. I did more drugs than anybody. (laughs) I smoked dope. So whenever people talked about coke... They wouldn't suspect me because I didn't do coke.
1: Yeah, and you never usually think no. coke guys are yeah, so marijuana guys. I was
3: robbing a bunch of these coke dealers, but then I started robbing businesses. I would take pictures of the alarm systems, give them to him. He would tell me what wires to cut, and I would fucking rob the businesses. I was crazy, man. Wow. I was young, crazy, and there was no way I wanted to work. Like, there was no way I wanted to work.
1: You, know work- you said something that's so fascinating that's just the type of people you, you draw a certain type of... Everyone draws a different type of person. Like, I draw a certain type of person. Yeah, you draw people. And it's and it's so fascinating. I don't think you realize that until you're older where you start going, oh, yeah, that, that's the type of friend I usually have. Like, I'm usually drawn to... Like, I'm drawn to these guys, and they're drawn to me. My wife was w- w- did it with... Uh, she was always drawn to, like, uh, really uh, aggressive, uh, almost like, Toxic women, you know, and so it wasn't until we started dating that I was like, "Hey, you got to get away from those women. They're they're all they're all a derivation of her mom, you know."
3: It's funny. Somebody once asked me if I could get them heroin, and I go, "I did coke for all those years, and maybe one person asked me if I wanted heroin." Yeah, because coke people attract coke people. Yeah. Weed people attract weed people. Somebody's not going to knock on your man cave and go, hey, do you guys know where I get some crack? Just yeah. looking because it's weird. So that's how I learned from that. I learned that when you carry a weapon, it's a magnet. It attracts other people with, with weapons. Really? It's the weirdest thing. Strap a weapon on, and after three months, you start hugging people, and they got weapons. And you're like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> What's up with all the weapons? What's up with all the fucking <laughs> weapons? That's so fucking interesting. Now, wait.
1: When did you stop d- drawing people that were? When did you start draw, drawing that type of person? Because I don't. Everyone you hang out with now
3: is like maybe like two thousand ninety nine. Yeah. When I first got here, I got into some problems with some people. I mean, that's Josh Wolf. Like the first ninety days, Josh Wolf said. Josh Wolf had a
1: very interesting insight on the growth you've had, like as a as a man. He's like, he's like, you know, you, he's like. You love Joey more when you see how he was to where he is, you love him more. I was like, I don't get it. And he's like, It's really hard to explain. But he's like he's like, You know if uh, he goes, you know how like comedy clubs sometimes will only see you as a feature. If you feature there they only see you as a feature. If you host there they only see you as a host. If you come in as a headliner, they see you as a headliner, despite the fact that you were a feature or a host the week before. Josh Wolf was saying it's like that, but like with friends, you watch them grow. He's like, it's, he, he was, I, he was in essence, and I, I from what I gathered, he was like, he was like you would be amazed the Joey's the man right. he is today. Amazed, like amazed, amazed. But I only know you as amazed. I only know you as like a super loving dad. Amazed. That's it, really.
3: No, it's it's, it's
1: like when amazed. I hear stories about you not showing up with doing Joey's with Joe, I go, I go no, I'm not Joey. Like and they're like, oh yeah, that's why he started bringing Ari because he would bring you, and you just disappear. You're like, dog, I wasn't feeling it. I had to go.
3: <laughs> I, I was fickle. I'm really fickle. If something's not going my way, I just don't want to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I love Joe with all my heart. I, I yeah. enjoy hanging out with him and laughing and doing everything we do. When you're doing drugs, it overshadows everything. Really? Um, yeah. Like, I remember uh, we went to Vegas one time, and it was uh, a UFC on a Saturday and a theater on a Friday. And I basically didn't see it until the airport. Really? Like, after the show, we went. I went up and did my 15 minutes. Joe got off stage. He goes, where's Joey? Joey's gone. I would never wait around. If I had a package in my pocket, you're only going to see me for three minutes after I get off that stage. Really? There was no hanging out. Now, did Joe know? Did Joe know? Oh, yeah. Really? It was killing him. Killing him. It was killing him as a human being. Really? Because he kept really? tolerating it. Was Joe
1: smoking weed at that time yet?
3: <sighs> yes and no. What do you mean? Yes, but not. Not? Not, no. He was just starting. Yeah. Like for three years, it was really rough. Because I would call Joe the morning up and go, hey, man, I can't find my license. What are you talking about? I I ain't flying. I can't find my license. My license was in my hand. I just couldn't leave my apartment. Really? Yeah, it was too fucking high. And he's lucky he got a call. I wouldn't even call. You know how many people are still at an airport waiting for me? (laughs) There's people still in the airport calling me going, where are you? (laughs) You said you were leaving the LAX at 8 in the morning. So then what was it? What
1: was the connection between you and Joe that you
3: guys remained friends even through that stuff? Like, what was the, like... I think he felt bad for me. He loved me. How did you guys meet? We met at the comedy store. Like, like, tell me, tell me the We just, we just, I got to the comedy store in 98, 97... And he was starting to come around. Or he was going around there before me. He was like an unpaid regular. He had just became a regular. And, uh, you know, I had to follow him. He had to follow me. It was that same family. 11.45. And we started chit-chatting. Joe was from another world. But he always took to me. But I could tell he was from another world. You know, like, he didn't understand me. And he didn't. But Joe shot pool. So all those years of shooting pool. Joe saw the other side of the fence, my side of the fence. Yeah. And then, so I think Joe was a little hesitant with me in the beginning, but Joe had a friend that died that Joe thought the world of, and he had a drug problem. But he was a really good pool player, so Joe accepted him. And then when he died, it really bothered Joe. So after that, Joe was, in the, in the essence, trying to help me Yeah, for a couple of years. I mean, it was finally Joe who's... Joe and I would never discuss cocaine. It was always little remarks to each other, one by little remarks. One day on a plane, we were just about to take off, and he was telling me how when you have a problem in your life, it affects every other thing in your life. It really does. And I'm like, you really, it really, like, I, I, I thought about what he said. And I tried, I knew, like, in 2004, I was done with coke. It was just going to be a matter of time. I was just hoping it wouldn't have killed me. Before I stopped doing it. You know, it took me like three years to really, I think it took me a year to get on stage. Yeah. You know, it takes you a year to get on. I'm going to do it next week. I'm going to get 10 minutes ready. You know what I'm saying? Like it takes you. It was the same thing for me with the coke. I knew I was quitting. I just didn't know what. I was too proud to go to a rehab. Yeah. And I had too much pride to go to an AA program. I knew I had to beat this, so it took me three years of dilly dallying, you know. So, and it's going to be ten years this November, really. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing! Amazing. amazing. And did, when you so when you decided to stop
1: doing coke, did you talk to to Joe? Did you like like one of the mistakes I see people do is uh, with with alcohol is they uh, they, I guess decide they have a problem and then they tell everyone they're alcoholics and then but they're not really ready to quit drinking and so what was a, what was a, a baseline problem which was you know bad or you know bad in their eyes and bad in some other people's eyes when they quit and then they start up again that becomes horrible and then they're like oh this is their fucking this i feel really sad for them i'm I, i'm sorry i can't be your friend and you're like yeah well, that's why like if i ever quit drinking i'll never tell a fucking soul i'll just stop drinking and just start drinking soda water and just Hope they w- catch on eventually. yeah who gives a fuck i go on stage sometimes with soda water and and i kill it because i'm thirsty and people are like yeah and i'm like it's just soda water guys it's just soda water it looks like Tito's and Soda. It's just soda water, but I don't say it. I'm like, whatever. It's crazy. So it, did Joe know you were quitting at the time?
3: No. I quit, like, November 7th, and I didn't say nothing to nobody till January. I didn't say nothing to nobody till about January. And then, like, in January, I could, I could see people looking at me like, okay, whatever. You know, and then it became February. Then it became March. Then it became April. And then I was clean a year, and then it wasn't my appearance or whatever anymore. It was the actions that I was doing. People could tell just by the little actions something's going on with him. He's losing weight, you know. He's he's doing this, he's doing that, you know. So
1: that Joey Karate video, do you know that one that I'm talking about? Where you're doing the karate yeah, yeah, moves yeah, in the yeah. parking lot? Yeah. Was
3: that on coke or off coke? I think. Oh, those were on coke. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I didn't do the videos on coke. I wouldn't snort but coke But that was the around day- the time, though. Yeah, I was. I wouldn't do coke in the daytime. You didn't like doing coke around people. You liked to go and do your own thing and do coke. Yeah, and I didn't do it in the daytime either. Really? No coke and going so, wait, on stage. How could, you- how could you... Oh, you never did coke and go on stage? No, no, no. Oh. When I first started in 91, St. Paddy's Day, I thought it was Richard Pryor. I did a bunch of blowing went on stage and... It was no bueno. Really? Yeah, but with blow, even if you're not on blow, and you do it the night before or two nights in a row, it affects you on stage a lot.
1: I, 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 here's my question. Like, I literally only had one question this whole time because I just had a rough weekend in New York where it was just partying Sunday night, partying Monday night, Monday bled into Tuesday, and then you still are there for work. So I'm always, like, I, that's the one thing that I'll say is that uh, the work is the most important, so I'm yeah. there nine a.m. for Jim and Sam, uh, uh, t- noon for Ronnie Bennington, uh, and then the bonfire. Opie, I do it all, but I, I really got to a point one point where I was like, I was laying in bed going, "Man, I I uh, like." I don't feel good. Like I've, I've really burnt the candles at both ends, and this isn't how I want to live my life. Like I like I want to party, but I don't want to party like this. I was like, now granted, it's New York; it gets away from you. All your friends are there. Like everyone was doing that Skanks fest. So I see Ari for the first time in a while. I see Nate Bargatze. I see Big J. But like thir- Wednesday night. I looked at Big J. I I was like, I just want to go to your house and watch TV. <laughs> and so Big Jay and I just went to his house, watched TV, watched Cops, watched a couple specials, shit on them. And then I was like, that's like, you know, I, I couldn't go out. And everyone was going to the stand. But how did you feel the next day when you, when you, uh, like the next day after Coke? Like you'd say you'd start doing Coke. Like walk me through like a timeline of, of a, what a Coke night would look for you. Like uh, you go to your spot at 1145 at the store.
3: The only reason why I would leave and go do the spot is because on the way back, I was going to pick up my Coke. Really? So as I was going to do my spot, I would call the dealer and say, I'm going to the store. I'm up in 10 minutes. 15 minutes, I'll call you when I'm headed to your house. Yeah. In those days, my addiction was so bad that at 8 o'clock, my mind would start giving me anxiety. Really? My body would start giving me anxiety, and I couldn't focus. And I couldn't really think, and I couldn't hear. Like, when people be talking to me, I'd just be, like, in this pain. And I wouldn't know anything until I was really getting the $60 out of the ATM machine. Like, I'm not not lying to you. I wish I was lying to you. Like, I wouldn't even stop for red lights. Really? I wouldn't stop for red lights. I would go straight on uh, Selma. Uh Uh-huh. That's like a side street in Hollywood. I would cut no stop signs, no nothing. I would look to see if people coming, but I wouldn't even stop. That's how much the Coke had control over me. And this pain, like, in the middle of my chest. And I would get, like, this anxiety and, like, this hole. And I would go to Hollywood Rock and Roll Rouse on, uh, it's, I, I don't know what it is. Sometimes, I think it's, it's sun, like Sunset or sunset, 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 Poinsettia. Sunset and Poinsettia. And then my dealer at the time was on a block east of Sunset and uh, La Brea. So I would basically just make a U-turn on Sunset. Go four blocks, I'd go right, and he'd be right outside. He'd give me the Coke, and then I'd go home. All right, now, every night was different. Let's say I did Coke four nights in a row. That means that fifth night, I'm not going to get as high as the other. Even if the Coke is outrageous, I already did an eight ball of it the night before. Yeah. So I would buy a gram of I'd buy a gram of, uh, of Coke from this guy first, and it'd be about 11.30. And I would take it, and I would step on the gas, and while I was driving, doing the speed limit, I would break the Coke up in my hands with the baggie. I would put it on a book I had, and I would roll over like a, like a fucking keys or something, yeah. and I would flatten out all the rocks, and I would make sure I'd catch that light. And at that light, I would roll up a dollar bill, and right at the light, I would do half that bag. If there was a gram in there, I'd do half a gram and one snort. And then I'd go home, and by the time I get home, four minutes later, I'd have to run upstairs and shit. So I'd run upstairs, shit, do my first jerk-off, and then I'd go outside, and if the coke was really good, I wouldn't snort for a while, but if it was men's amends, I would keep doing bumps. If everything went as planned, that package would end by one fifteen. Yeah, one thirty. I would time it because I had a guy that bartended on uh, Cahuenga in Hollywood, and he would leave work at 2, and he'd come right to my house. And I'd come down with a CD. I'd put the money in there, and he'd give me a CD with the Coke. And I'd go upstairs. And so you were just doing it by yourself? By myself. I had a little broad for a while. That I would go over there and do coke with, but if she had people there, I would leave If she was alone, I'd try to fuck her so what would you do What would you do by yourself? Just write jokes or I'd make believe I was writing jokes, I would write about my life, and the next day you look at it it's garbage, yeah, I would jerk off, listen to music, listen to music, I would call chicks I knew that I could talk dirty to on the phone and tell them I want to eat their asshole. <laughs> it was crazy. I could do that till. 4 or 5 in the morning watch TV on coke smoke cigarettes and there were times that if I finished that package I would call the guy again the black guy and I'd go over there at 4 because really? they were open till 7 he was out till 7 wow it was crazy per Kreischer it was cr- my cocaine life was so crazy that when I quit I had a loan from the bank for $600 a month for 6 years I had a loan. That's how much in debt I was. Really? For the coke use. I had to pay the IRS. I had to pay the bank. I had. To, I owed, I owed close to like 15,000 attorney fees from my divorce. And I also owed about 16,000 in fake child support, like maybe 20. And then Terry got it all handled for me and she knocked it down to like four. Wait, did you meet Terry during in coke? 2000, yeah. When you were doing coke? Yeah. Really, and I would hide it from her. Shut she up. found the dollar bill one time rolled up, and she goes, "If I find another one of these, I gotta ask you to leave. We'll still date, but I gotta ask you to leave. We can't do this and live together." So I had to hide it from her for for five years. And listen, you don't—you really never—you <laughs> really never hide nothing from a woman. They always know. They just give you rope. Leanne and I were at the
1: beach house one time. I was really hungover, and like. uh like, just shaky. Like, I was just fucking shaky. And so I took a Xanax, and I calmed down immediately. And Leanne just went, did you take a Xanax? <laughs> and I'm like, huh? She goes, did you take a Xanax? And I went, no. She goes, don't ever lie to me about drug use. And I went, I took a Xanax. And she, I go, wait, well, how did you know? She goes, well, you were shaky making eggs two seconds ago, and now you call me shit in the pool. And I was like, Oh. I was like, I, didn't even, I, I thought I was totally on the fucking sly.
3: No, she knew. She knew something was up. I was, you know, I wasn't coming home till five in the morning. Sometimes I would come home at ten, stay there till two, and leave, and not come back till eight in the morning. I was a nut. I was a fucking nut. That poor girl. You That's know. Fucking insane. That's insane. <laughs> what was the reason you stopped? Like, what was the like? There was a thousand reasons. I saw that movie uh, with the black piano player. You know, that's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was baffled when they said that he snorted heroin. He did heroin until he was like in his 60s. And I sat there when I saw it and I go, wait a second, wait a second. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this. But I don't want to do this till I'm 60. Yeah. I'm like, hold on to this. Let me take this check. Sure,
1: I think about that with booze sometimes. Like I go, I really, enjoy, I love drinking. I love having a cocktail. But like at the clip I'm at right now, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be at, like at this pace of of boozing as hard as I am out on the road.
3: I don't want to do this for like
1: till I'm 60. I was like, I don't want to be no, 60. That scared
3: fucking. the shit out of me. Yeah, he like, started coke. Till he he did heroin till he was 64 years old. I was 44. Yeah, and I was like. I'm going to do another 20 years of this. This little secret I got going on. Bert, you know me a long time. Yeah. You could ask anybody. You could ask Josh Wolfe. I know Josh Wolf 20 years. Do you know how many of his family parties I've been to in the days when they were drinking and stuff like that? No. Really? Listen, I am a very antisocial person. And the more alcohol there is the more antisocial I am. Really? Why? Don't like it. I've never liked it. Yeah? I've never liked it. Is that because your mom owned a bar? Because my mom owned a bar. By the time I was 22, I was done with bars. Like I was done. Like I was done. Like the kids I hung out with and grew up with loved bars. And they loved being in bars in the daytime and watching sporting events. And I would sit there and go, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. And they're talking about the 6 o'clock game. Are you fucking crazy all day? Yeah. Like, and, and and you know this is really hard to admit because a lot of people don't can't wrap their ha- heads around it about me. Like I've never liked it. I've never liked it. I never like sloppy drunk. Yeah. I don't like drunk drunk. I don't like. I believe in partying and blowing off steam. There's people who do it for the wrong reasons, and it yeah. just ticks me the fuck off. I don't put my head into it and try to break it down. I'm not a psychiatrist. I just know I never liked it. I never really liked it.
1: You still like, not like, you're still like that at the store? You're like, yeah, if no. everyone's
3: going to hang out and have a drink, you're like, I'm going home. I'm going home. I don't want to see nothing. Unless yeah. somebody's giving out yardsticks or sucking dicks, I'll stay. But unless, it's just really weird how I was really social for all those years, but I never really enjoyed it. I can't tell you how many concerts and places I went to. And five minutes after I was there, I was like, why am I here? Yeah. Like, this is not for me. I went to over 100 concerts when I was a kid. I think Led Zeppelin, there was a couple bands I didn't see. But the last 20 of those shows, I could tell that it was over. It was over for me. Like, it was just getting to the point where, like, why am I here? This is not what I want to do. I came yeah. here through peer pressure. My friend said it was going to be a good time. I'm not having a I good think,
1: time. I think... 32% of all ticket sales at a concert are fucking uh, people that don't want to be there. You that like their friends it. are like, come on, you're going to love Dave Matthews. I don't like, I don't
3: like uh, festivals. When I see a lot of people, I get nervous. You don't like comedy festivals, do you? None of that shit. You're yeah. going to pay my money, dog. I don't want to talk to them. I'm going to have a good time. i got a fucking kazoo. I got a kazoo and a spinner. and I can, That's a good time for me. Yeah. You know? A good time is not. I can't take it anymore. Like when I got my coke, I would leave with my coke. Bye. I try to pick up a waitress or a girl, but if not, no biggie. I go bang one out, watch fucking Showtime, and I don't have to listen to nobody's bullshit.
1: Is that? Do you feel like that now? Like, like if you, like, like I, I always say, like I love um, one of my favorite feelings it's almost like i guess it's that warm blanket feeling or like if you love reading books like that curling up with a good book and or like if you like playing video games that starting video games is your favorite feeling to like like uh get home smoke a little weed and just sit and watch tv like for me i love like i love let's run this back i love when we go to the store and and they're like Stanhope's in the back bar rogan's hanging out ari's here yo, Duncan's going to be here in 20 minutes. And then I go, I get excited. I go, like, this is what I fucking live for. And then then I get overly excited, usually. But, like,
3: let me give you the psychology of this. Okay. I had a home. I had a pool, a Puerto Rican pool like the one you have with a deck. Yeah. I had a basketball court. I was an only child. I had my own air conditioner. I had my own carpeting in my room growing up. I had my own HBO in my room with the box with the string on it, where it had three tiers, yeah. you know. It wasn't that I was raised ball. My mom had money, and that's how it was in my house. Well, one day, that 15 years of my own room and my own toys and my own window and my own space got taken away. My mom died, and I had to live with a friend of mine. Not only that, we slept on his bed. The only reason why I moved in that house is because they had air conditioning in the room. Yeah. Like all the other buddies who asked me to move in, I went to their house, no air conditioning. This ain't saying it happening. You got cable, no cable. It ain't happening. I was like the top draft choice. <laughs> like if I come to the house, you got to have a good house. And the benders owned the deli in Hoboken. There's always cold cuts in the refrigerator. They always had pasta for zoo. Yeah. They had air conditionings and no curfew. <laughs> they were the top pick choice, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All that got taken away from me. So from the age of 15, think about this. From the age of 15, I, I lived on couches. I had apartments for six months, and there weren't really apartments. There was always a towel on the floor or a couch or the shower. I didn't have a shower curtain, and I got evicted. It was always something. I never really had a home. And then I became a comic. And you never have a home when you become Mm -hmm. a family. You go from a car to an apartment with three roommates to another apartment. Then I met Terry. And she had a a two-bedroom. We had a one-bedroom studio. You know, when me and Terry started dating, we were making $800 a month between us. What was she doing when you first met her? She's a waitress. Yeah. Then she got the job at Disney, and she started making good money. But our first five years were brutal. Yeah. I got the longest yard, and she got the job at Disney. But our first four years, it was hand to mouth. It was hand to mouth. If I did a gig and I got five hundred, I remember one time we we're driving back from Bakersfield, we just pulled over and I came out and bought a TV. She had like this little black and white when I met her. When I first started dating, I bought all new, brand new appliances. Yeah, we got to get brand new appliances. I got juicers, toasters, <laughs> TVs. She had a VCR. I got a DVR. I got all the DVD. So. Of all those years, I had that thing taken away where you can't have a peace of mind that night. I'd have to live with people. i have to move in with a girlfriend. This, The last six years is the first time I had peace of mind. So it's like 2009. So, listen, I don't want to hear about comedy no more. I'm 54 years old. I don't want to hear about comedy. Yeah. I don't want to hear about brand. It was funny because... uh. Bert calls me one day and he goes, Do you have a spot tonight? I go, Yeah. And I come over, I pick Bert up, and we drive down to the store. On the way down to the store, Bert's telling me how, you know, I, I, I can't even talk about comedy no more. It's too much. Everybody I'm surrounded with talks to me about comedy. I park the car, we get out of the comedy store, we both go to the main room. We're not sitting there two minutes. Some fucking clown comes in, and all of a sudden, you're in a full blown comedy <laughs> conversation. I'm like, Bert. This is what the fuck we said. Listen, man. I also said to you,
1: man, I'm not partying tonight. I'm going home. Right. I'm right. getting in the car. We're doing our spots. We're going. Through. And your spot was before me. You're like, if you're going home, I'll wait for and you. Bert- and we'll leave.
3: And Bert learned something the last two times. It took a lot of people lessons to leave, learn. And that's how I look at you one time. And this, you know what this means? <laughs> Wrap it up. Wrap it up. And you got a minute. You yeah. got a minute. In that minute, you better be able to say goodbye and your hugs because I'm walking straight to that car and I ain't stopping. And then, Okay, (laughs) listen to this. That kid that I met in San Francisco last week was sitting the first night eating dinner. And I go, how's your mom doing? And she goes, my mommy's doing fine. In fact, she told me to tell you she never forgot the time when you were kids and you left her at Judas Priest. I've been leaving people at places for years. (laughs) When I tell you, it's time to go. Yeah. There ain't no goodbyes. There's a reason why I'm telling you. And by the
1: way, it Literally. was, an, it was, an, it was an, what is arguably a fascinating conversation. It's me, Brennan Schaub, and Rogan, and you. And you just went,
3: no, nah, we're going home.
1: <laughs> I was like, Joe, Joe, you don't want to hang out for a second? You go, and you started tapping your body. You're like, let's go, let's go.
3: Tick, tick, tick. Pop is going. You got about three seconds to get these goodbyes out and yeah. You and Segura
1: are so fucking similar. Like he hates small talk. It's one of the things he hates going to go into the store because he's like, I just don't want to fucking talk to a million people. Like he'll talk to the people he cares about, so he's not there to like. I love the. I, I do love the like walking around room to room, like going back to the back bar having a First drink. Of all, let me be
3: honest with you. If I go down there and there's ten people, I like four of them. Yeah, so that's number one. Let's be as honest as we can. Yeah, you know I'm 54 and I've learned over the years that. If I don't like you there's no reason why I should be around you. Yeah. Okay, so let's just end the bullshit. This is LA where people have to be around you and talk to you. I'm not one of those people. I don't need to talk to you. Yeah. I, I think, I think the other thing
1: about you is like you're someone that you make sure that you talk to your friends yeah, every every other day, if not every day. So there's nothing we're gonna catch up with at the store that we haven't already talked to. Talked about.
3: I feel old at the store. I you feel, feel creepy at the store. At the store.
1: You the, the fucking median age at the store of people working is probably you, you Rogan. Was, Rogan's turning 50 this year, right?
3: I don't know. Bill Burr's up there. Turning 50.
1: Here. I heard Burr say he was 50. And they're like, what? And he's like, 49, turning 50. Sebastian's young,
3: still 40. Sebastian's. How old is Sebastian? Yeah, he's probably. 40. You know, when I got to the 40. store, there were older guys. And they were annoying as shit. And I always used to say, oh, when I get to that age, I'm never going to be down here annoying these little young guys, you know? In fact, when I go down there, I try to treat those guys with the utmost respect, because I knew how those older guys treated me when I was at the store. And I always yeah. said, I don't want these scumbags treating. I am never treat young guys like that. It's a that.
1: weird time at the store right now, because I, the, I really like, you know, Ron White, uh, 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 Delia, Apatow, Jet Apatow, Rogan Burr, the average age, Russell Peters, myself, I The mean, average age is probably 47. 47. Yeah. And then, you, so you look at these young, young kids like Tony, who's like, I think, well, I don't know what Tony is, probably 28. Yeah. And you just go like, how much, you got to, you have another 30 years here? <laughs> like, I, it's it really is kind of crazy.
3: And I don't know what it is, Bert. I don't know if it's the age or having the child. It's having the child. Because once I had Mercy, it seemed like I put... Blinders on. Like the shit that used to bother me, yeah, doesn't affect me no more, at any level. Let me get a cup of club soda. You got an extra cup? Yeah, of, of course. Uh, yeah, grab that cup right there. Put you know some ice right? cubes in there for Uncle yeah, Joey. See? Um got like a little. It's having
1: kids. It's one of the things that, like, I admire a great deal in Rogan is how he can compartmentalize his life and go. I do this time with the kids. I do this time at the gym. I do this time at the podcast. I do this time shooting archery. I do this time doing that. Because for me, I get I get really selfish, and at the end of the night, I want to be I, I want to have dinner, and I want to go watch a movie with the girls in the in the in the living room,
3: and I want to go to bed. Okay, you just said it. I've learned a lot from Joe Rogan, but I'll never forget. Way before I had kids. Because he had kids before all of us, except you. Yeah, I said to him, Joe, we got to go back on Sundays. And sometimes he would listen to me, and I explained to him why from my part. I go, I want to have Sunday. I, at the time, you know, think about what I did for five years to Terry. Yeah. Six years with the blow and putting us in debt. So there came a time when I go, that's it. The bullshit with Terry stops. I have to prioritize Terry. If not, I'm going to lose Terry. And you had already done the longest yard, right? I'd already done the longest shot. Like, oh, I'm gonna lose Terry. I'm gonna fucking lose Terry. So I stopped doing the coke. Two years later, I had, I got married, 2009, and I swore I was never gonna get married. Like, I was never gonna get married again. It was a mistake. It doesn't really mean nothing. It means a ton to a woman. Yeah, it means a ton to them. I made a commitment to her, blah blah blah, blah. and it was so weird. Just to her, I wanted to have dinner with her on Sunday. No club was worth it to me. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. And then I got a call from the Funny Bones. Some lady called me. I bu- no, I'm lying to you. I bumped into Billy Gardell a year before he got the show. Michael and Molly. And he was confused. He goes, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, I remember I that time. I just canceled a bunch of work. They're trying to not give me good money. And I talk to him and I go, I'm not going to let what happened to Billy Gardell happen to me. They called me and I said, I'm done with comedy. Listen, as far as I'm concerned, I, I could care less about the traveling. Yeah,
1: the traveling is what sucks, Dick. And for the record, everyone goes, "What's well, not good money?" Well, not good money is nine hundred bucks a weekend, twelve hundred bucks a weekend, fifteen hundred bucks weekend. Terrible for yeah. a comic, because you got to remember, we're paying a plane ticket, plane ticket, and food, and, and they'll put us up in a condo. We got to pay for our food, we and transportation. Sometimes you got to pay your agent, your manager. You taxes You're really walking
3: away with Nothing For all that work Nothing Not much So I was like You know what Fuck it I'll quit comedy I'll do it at the clubs And whenever my friends call me To audition Or do a movie I'll do a movie I keep my insurance What do I give a fuck Yeah And I got a day job Telemarketing man Cause you were booking movies Legit On the Before red. the strike Yeah Before 2007 I was I did everything Once a month I was shooting something Three days Four days 2007 came. That eliminated everything. That was, it was either that or the, the age gap I fell into. Something happened where everything stopped, you know. Yeah. Just all those roles stopped. I also wasn't as a, as aggressive as I was. For a long time, I was really aggressive. I got breakdowns. I sent audition tapes on my own. I was like, fuck them. Yeah. You know, they would call me and break my balls. Like, come and audition for a co-star. Bitch, I just did this. Why would I go backwards? If I'm going to go backwards, just offer it to me. I'm not going to go all the way down there at 5 o'clock to fucking read. Go fuck yourself. So
1: that was the end of that. Oh, I got lazy. I got lazy after I did my first pilot, uh, like scripted pilot uh, for CBS. And then I went in on a bunch of stuff, and I just, I was like, I wasn't enjoying the auditioning process. And then I just got it. I went in for a hosted thing, and I walked in, and it was just an offer. They're like, we'd love to have you do this if you're interested. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it It as a pilot. Paid 15 grand. I was like, yeah. Oh, get me more of these. And then I ended up doing that for so long that I just was like, why would I ever. And then right before I got uh, Birth Conqueror, I got offered to test for a CBS sitcom. And the quote was, the quote was, uh, I want to say it was 10 grand an episode. And I was like, 10 grand an episode? I can make that on non scripted. Like, and not. And they're like, yeah, but it's more prestigious. And I was like, no, I, my quote would need to be like thirty grand an episode if, I want to, if I'm going to do something like that. And they're like, nah, that's not what it is. I ended up testing for it and not getting it. <laughs> but uh, but it, I was blown away at like how low. Now, like, uh, someone was telling me they got a scripted series and they, they're getting seven grand an episode. And I was like, are you out of your fucking mind? It's not mind? what it used to be, James. It, it used to be, I remember Kevin James was making, I think he was making $750,000 an episode.
3: Okay, I Towards tell. the end. Yeah, 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 Towards yeah, yeah, end. End. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember... Fucking Charlie Hoonan, his yeah. last year at Sons of Anarchy, four fifty an episode. He made $7 million this last season at Sons of Anarchy.
1: I mean, those hit shows, and so and so for people not knowing that, I'll, I'll explain real quick. So you negotiate a contract for 100 episodes. Your first initial offer is for 100 episodes, t- uh, tw- four seasons ultimately. And then – because after that, it goes into syndication. If you can last four seasons, then everyone makes tons of money, and that's when you can renegotiate. And that's when you hear the big friends deals of like $1 million, $2 million an episode because they know what the syndication rights are going to be. And everyone just made a billion dollars. But those initial f- – you, you negotiate for your per episode for those first four years. You can't change it. You can't up it. That's what you get. And, uh, and it used to be like thirty five grand an episode when I started. That was what your, the going rate was. And now you're just like, fuck,
3: you can't get that. You know, actors are suffering a lot You know, with all this. There's a lot of viewership, but that means it's the other way around. And it's it's all those syndication money. All those syndication.
1: They don't even syndicate it. They sell it to Netflix. They sell it to Amazon. And then people can watch. No No one's syndicating shit. It really is. I think actors have gotten fucked the most. I look at, like,
3: it sucks to do. Listen, I get calls once a month with an offer. Yeah. From something out of the blue. And it's always the week I got to leave town. So the money, they're way apart. Yeah. And every once in a while you go, you know what? I want to keep these motherfuckers on their toes. I'll cancel it, tell them I got a movie just to let these motherfuckers know I still run shit. Yeah. But nothing is worth canceling. Yeah. Nothing is really worth canceling. You know, yeah. thank God, like when I got a uh, Moz's show on CBS this year. They called me for a different row. I was on my, as the Uber, as I was opening up the Uber to get in the Uber, I could feel my phone ring and I knew exactly who it was. I didn't even need to go for it. I go, that's the agent telling me I booked a role." Really? I closed the door. I looked at it. Yes, it was. They really, really want you. What do you think? I go, I'm in the car headed to, it's Wednesday at, you know, 830. I go, I knew this was going to happen. Maz is my friend. The other guy is my friend. Jermaine, the guys know me. If I do a three quarters of a good job, they're going to give me the fucking show. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. We went back and forth. They said, you know what? Go. We're well, going to use you. I said, fuck. I'm never going to get a call back from them. They called three weeks later. So I really, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's not for me. The acting isn't what it used to be. Like really? It, yeah. Like, I was in love with it. I Because I knew... When I got here, that was the only way I would get in through the back door. I knew I would never make it as a comic or my material and stuff. Really? Yeah. So I
1: knew. What's that- so crazy is you you, and you, I think you kind of set the prototype for what most comics are doing now. 100%. You don't see that? Well, you went on Rogan in like, i say six years ago, seven years ago. How long has Rogue One Podcast been going? Maybe six years. Six years ago. And we just go on and talk for like, just talk. The way we are right now, but like, I think it was at the very beginning of you going, these are stories I, I don't tell on stage or I couldn't tell on stage. Right. But these are things that just happened to me. And they come up at like the drop of a hat. Like, and I think, I think. It changed the way people podcasted. It changed the way people did stand up. I think it's changed the way people looked at wanting to watch stand up, and they wanted to hear these real stories. I remember when, I remember when I told the machine story. I remember someone tweeted, "Oh shit." Uh, uh, I got my, I got, I got Joey Diaz and Burke Kreischer now are my two favorite po- people to listen to on podcasts. And I had been listening to you on Rogan's podcast while doing the Travel Channel stuff. I would put it in and lay in bed next to my iPad with my iPad charging, and I would listen to you and Rogan podcast. And your stories would just fucking fat. It's amazing the way you tell a story. You don't, I know you don't put any effort into it, or you don't like, you don't like overthink it. But your details allow the listener to go there in his head. You know, I always say I'm obsessed with small details. I'm obsessed with small details because I feel like it really draws the picture for the listener. I think that if you add a small detail, they see that small detail and that one small detail takes their focus off the broad stroke and allows the broad stroke to become a little more uh accessible. But like yeah, your storytelling is fucking I mean, it it's it's almost the prototype. I feel like I've seen I know I feel like I've had people come on my podcast going, in my head, I go, oh, you're a big Joey fan. Like, you like that, what Joey does. Like, you, I see what you're doing. Like, not, I'm not seeing what you're doing, but like, I go, you, you want to live, have lived a rich life and want to talk about it. But that, does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. And so, like, and so to hear that, I go, I do understand because I think we both got into the business when in order to make it, you had to be an actor. You had to make be an actor and be famous, get on last comic standing, and then do the road. You know that's how you get into theaters. But now it's changed so much that it's like do a podcast, do stand up, and that's all you have to do. I and mean, that's all I do right now. That's all I want to do. That's all I. I I've turned down. I've turned down, like I'd say turned down, but like I've I've had projects brought to me where I just go no. Nah, not interested I'm not interested because it just isn't like i don't I don't want to be that guy. I want to be me i'll do my podcast i've control to, total control of my podcast i'm grateful for my advertisers. I wish I'd listened to you two years ago when you were like, "Get out of t v just do the podcast, just do the podcast you miss t v no i I'll t- I tell you what I miss. The one thing I miss is my crew i I miss traveling with 11 people or traveling with five people and going from city to city and and fucking around and giggling and having dinners at night. I miss that. Uh, I do not miss having, you know, very, uh, I had a very epiphanous moment in my career. Uh, A travel channel, I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but a travel channel, uh, every three years, two years, whatever the deal was, you didn't know if your deal was going to get renewed. And so, You'd have conversations with people that worked in the network that were above you, and it was almost very, not condescending, but it was very, uh, d- not demeaning, but just they could they decided if you got more work. And so you were in a very, like, cuck position of, like, you know, am I going to get a job? you get in trouble, and they'd tell you things. Like, they'd really talk down to you. And then, um, and then, uh... Scripps fired everyone at Travel Channel, and I was still at Travel Channel, and these same people called me like, and were like, hey, man, like, what do I do? Like, it was a very like flip-flop position, like, Freaky Friday moment, and I went, oh, fuck. So all these people that have always been above me never were above me. They were always trying to hold on to a job. They they weren't like they never
3: really had like some creative stance nothing. on top. They had nothing. nothing on top of me. They had no balls. They had nothing. They had nothing. They were just taking orders and every day they'd wake up, yeah, and fucking hope that they wouldn't. That's all those people are. And they there's own. no intelligence. There's nothing. There's no common sense. Yeah. There's nothing. They answer to somebody, and because they have a job, they act like fucking uh, they're special. And they've thought of things they've never thought of. Dick. It really fucked me up because I was like, it really got me distasteful
1: towards television because I was like, wait, I started believing no one knows what the fuck's they going don't. on. They really don't. And then, and then we did *Birth of the Conqueror*, uh, the third season. While I think after everyone got fired, we did it with no boss, so I got to make my own product. In essence, I will definitely say Dan Adler, uh, Dan Adler, and Bonnie, and like the, the two, those two, Dan Adler probably mostly. It was his vision. He's just such a... He's a really great executive producer. But but it was in the field. It was me making what I wanted to make. I wanted to make the thing I made. I gave it to them. They shaped it. And it went on air. And the network buried it because they were ready to get rid of me. They were ready to get rid of the brand. They were ready to bring in a bunch of new, more successful brands that were really going to take the network in a new direction. And I remember say, struggling and, and fighting for the show and saying, you know, we have some really viral clips. Like, if you could just please like i would reach out and i i had emails that i would send to the president crypted, like and and send them in and, and other people attached to the emails would be like hey Bert, that was a really great way to handle it because they were trying to bury the show hey please i think if we share air this clip it'll really help promote the series but ultimately they didn't want to promote the series and they didn't want to listen to me because I didn't know a fucking thing. They had someone that worked in the digital space. They had someone that knew more about that than I did. By the way, no one at that fucking network knows more about the digital space in that entire company of scripts, with all respect scripts, than Bert Kreischer. I've been doing digital space my entire career before anyone knew what the fuck it was. I've increased my, like, I've had many videos go viral. that's the most frustrating thing is I'm like I'm a comic I've been doing this since Dane started it I'm friends with Dane I know what will go viral post this one clip no one listened to me then they posted the clip and it got 130 million views in like a week and it was after the show was cancelled and I was like I, wish, I just wish someone had listened to me. And that's when I realized no one listens. No one cares. Everyone's got a mortgage. They're not being dicks. They don't dislike you. But they're just like, oh, man, my but boss is telling they me something. Somebody, yeah, yeah, they answer to somebody, too. And I was like, you know what? I'm done answering to anybody. I'm going to do my shit. And, man, in that time, Joey, I've increased my Facebook following by 700,000 people. I've increased my, my, my Instagram following by 110,000 people. I have not sold, I have not not sold out a show in 2017 I'm making more money than I'd ever make a Travel Channel and part of me goes why the fuck did I I mean I loved it, I loved the experience but part of me is like why didn't I listen to myself earlier and go Bert you're really talented, you know fuck everyone, I wish I had that kind of you know feeling, I was like fuck everyone you're really talented man, you should stick with what you're really good at, as opposed to going like Travel Channel will be the answer, you know It'll, it'll, it'll solve my problems it'll, it'll get By the way Let me say this I will have to say this To the day I die I respect everyone at Scripps I'm so grateful for this man cave For my house They paid for the, all the stuff I could have never gotten Never gotten my house At that time Never gotten my man cave All that I'm so grateful I had so much fun On those fucking trips Best thing in the world But like Ultimately at the end I go I just want to make my own product I want to make my own product I don't want notes from anybody I don't want anyone to Tell me what fuck to fuck do I just want to do my own thing, you know? and after you've made your own product, it's pretty tough to go back it's to really do something hard. for somebody else. Dude, that guy I just talked about, Dan Adler, is listening to this podcast right now, fascinated. And you know what? And I love Dan, but Dan could never tell me how to do this. He could never, he could never be like Bert. This is how you do your podcast. He could never tell me how to do stand-up. He can definitely make great television, but like, like, I think I think I'm past that. I think. I think, like, right now I'm just on a path where I go, I just want to keep working on really good jokes and just posting them online and do another special, I don't know how that's going to work anymore, specials, like, I mean, you either either doing Netflix or you don't do one, I guess, but, like, and, and just hanging out at the store and doing my podcast. I mean, it's so cool when you do a podcast, you do something different, and all of a sudden it, like, your, rating, your numbers double, and you're like, wait, what did I do? You know, like I always I always tell everyone I check Google Trends like that's a big thing for me is Google Trends. And uh, (laughs) and I always feel like I look at my career now compared to where it was. It's so much better, like with the people that care about stuff, like the people that want to see comedy, want to see entertainment. I think my next goal, honestly, uh, is to do what I was doing a travel on my own dime and put it out for fans to see. Like I was going to do that in Australia when I do that Australian tour, it's going to like I do like swimming with great white sharks. I love that. I think it's really a cool thing. Like, why don't I go just shoot it myself and then edit it and put it up? Like, just hey guys, this is a cool video. You know that viral video I could reshoot that. I could the one that went viral for Travel Channel is like the biggest video they've ever had. I could re- I could shoot that. I could shoot something like that very easily. So, like, that's where I start going in my head. Like, what do I want to do? I don't want to be a movie star. Like, and I'm not to say that and put that in the universe and jinx myself, but I don't think I enjoy um, movie work. I really like that interactiveness of like single camera stuff uh, with a crew. I enjoy that. I think it's because I'm a comic, that Rodney Dangerfield shit of like breaking up people, making people laugh. I love stand up. Uh, and I, and I, I, so grateful i never quit this fucking vlog this podcast you know i wish i'd i tell you what i'd really like to do i'd like to take my podcast to the next level the way you and lee have it like i love i love your podcast i love that you really kind of step up your game and put money behind your product and you you you're booked you have great bookings and you have great video i watch your videos
3: and uh i just i'd love to do that it's funny you come to this town And you put your career and your soul in other people's hands. And I say your soul because for the first three or four years here, you could lose your soul. I saw it happen to a thousand comics, okay? 100%. They lose their soul. They, They got here and they were fucking hilarious. And their agent told them if they want to sell a show, they have to talk about family life and what their house is about. And these guys buy it. And in the meantime, they get a deal. The show don't get picked up. Their numbers are shit. And guess what? Bye bye. Because three arts don't wait for you. Neither the CAA, neither does William Morris. They're not in the business of making stars. They want the stars already made, you know. And uh, then you go through a six-year period where. You think you got it. you're starting to make little moves, you're starting to book films you've you've created a niche a niche for yourself, yeah, you know with me, it wasn't stand up. I just had the store, but nobody was talking to me for stand up. Nobody was inviting me to Montreal. I wasn't getting no showcases. Comedy Central said I was too old, you know it was it was endless and two thousand and nine I was doing comedy what uh let's be honest. I was doing comedy maybe 20-something years. I did Gabriel Glacier's show. Yeah. And that's when, right before then is when I started putting it together. I moved to the valley, and I would just hide at the ha every night. And I made them a deal. I go, do not pay me. Just call me at night and tell me when you're two comics away from closing, and let me close up the show. Yeah. And I just kept going down there, doing 20 God, minutes. I love that room. Dying. This is the old ha uh, I remember the old ha uh-huh. they had gang members that was in there, right fucking, there. That was a weird place to do stand-up. And I'll never forget when I shot the Gabriel thing, he gave me a camera. This is a true story. When, As a present for shooting the, the the Comedy Central thing, Gabriel gave me a camera. A little Sony blogger. And I was like, this is great, but it's going to run into the same shit. The I don't know how to edit. Yeah. And I think two days later, I got a fucking Facebook from Lee at. Going, my name is Lee. I'm an editor. I'm looking for a little bit of work. I met with him, and I go, "Let's let me pay you a hundred dollars a week. Let's do a series of videos, nine weeks. I'll pay you nine hundred bucks, and we'll start there." You know. And it was when I started going for my ideas. You know, it was really weird after 2007. All I would get calls for were for YouTube movies or stupid web series, nothing paid. And one day, I was close to doing this deal for this Italian show. They were morticians, but people in the neighborhood thought they were gangsters. And, and I go, what the fuck am I doing with my life? <laughs> for like 300 an episode, I go, fuck this. I go, from now on, I'm not doing nothing until I get scale. For years, people called me with $100 a day movies. Yeah. Nope, 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 nope. And all of a sudden, one day, I get the fucking De Niro Stallone movie. They offer it to me out of the blue because I knew a director. And I always accredit I go, you learn by saying no. You have to make your own decisions. You have to make your own decisions in this career. I love Justin. I love my agent. I take his opinion, 50% of his opinion. 60% 60% of his opinion, and I appreciate it, but I'm the one that has to do that work. Not him. You know, he they yeah. paint you a pretty picture. Hee-hee, third week in November, hottest week in Miami. Not really. Not, you know what I'm saying, Yeah, like, yeah. Let me tell you what's going on. I was just there eight months ago. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not going back for another year. Don't ask me about Miami again for another year. And I tell him. yeah. Because I'm running this fucking show, not you guys. But that was, when, when like, because I did, I wasn't in that position. I wasn't in that position, Joey. I swear to God. I was never, I'm still not in that position. No, no, but. but you, I you, still take it. No, but you still, like. I take it. I take it. I've yeah. never been in that position. When I signed with him, the first thing I said to him was, I don't work Sundays. And he giggled. And he would call me and go, hey, man, they want you to work Sunday. And I go, cancel the week. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Cancel the week. And they would tell me. They want you to fly on Wednesday. Cancel the week. Cancel the week. I'll be yeah. there at 1 o'clock. I'm going a 5 a.m. Yeah, but you can't do radio. You saw the numbers. We'll do radio on Friday. I'll do a periscope, tweet it, and Friday, by the time I do radio, that's, that closes the deal. Why do you want me in there Wednesday night? I can't do that fortnight. I won't do it. I won't yeah. do it. That sleeping there, that night kills me. By Saturday, I want to shoot myself. So no, I want to be fresh at these gigs. I don't work. He couldn't believe it. He even called Ari. He goes, what, is this kid crazy? (laughs) He goes, Joey, don't play. Cut to Ari decides not to work 2017. Yeah. (laughs) And then Joey and then Ari cracked (laughs) him. And they couldn't comprehend that. We're not like regular comics no more. We're not doing that. I sat here for years. I saw Richard Jenny shoot himself. I saw Richard Jenny wake up one day at 51 and say, I don't want to do this no more. But I got no acting career either. I got no acting resume. I saw it happen to, you saw it happen to 20 comics in this town right now. Yeah. That were huge 15 years ago. They abused their road. They never took care of what they had to take care of. They never took care of here. Why live here if you're not going to do TV and movies? I wouldn't take this shit. Yeah. I wouldn't live in California. I'd move back to Atlanta or Georgia or North Carolina, live with normal people. I live in, in Nashville. Yeah, Nashville, and I tolerate this stupid, <laughs> this stupidity, this liberalism out here. I wouldn't put up with this shit. If you live here, it's because you're gonna go to do shit. That's the the thing that the thing that the thing that blew me away was that
1: uh, I was sitting in Philly one weekend and I saw my first vlog. Remember, when I was doing vlogs. Yeah, yeah. I saw a vlog and I went, "Oh my god, that's amazing! I wish I could do that." And then I was like, I bet I have all the equipment. I bet I could do that. And I started playing with that. I think that was the seed that was planted for me to get away from television. Yes, that's was it. was st- doing that vlog so I started enjoying it, like really enjoying it. And then I remember like sending it to that guy, Dan Adler, and going, hey, will you give me notes? Like give me notes. I want to learn. And like as soon as that happened for me, I started seeing the business very differently. I also started seeing that there were a lot of people with their fingers in their pie that didn't have a talent. And I was like, and as soon as I saw that, I started getting angry about it. I was like, wait. like, And then I remember going into radio one time, and this is post, this is right around that, after that, and going, I know how much I'm making off my podcast. And then I was like, how many people are getting paid here that don't really have a purpose here? It's a lot of wasteful money. Like, when I get paid for my podcast, it goes to me. Like, I get it. I get all of it. And so, and I think that idea of like, going like, I just want the product to go to the people that I want it to go to, and that's it. I want to come up with my
3: idea. That's it. Give it to them, and that's it. That's it. And nobody can figure this business out right now. There's no agent. All the agents, all these media outlets are trying to jump on it, and they're all going to take a bath because they do not know what they're doing. See, we started here. This, for me, was hands-on since day one. Yeah. I've learned all the trends and everything on my own, which they don't know. No. They don't have the secrets. Somebody asked me who I had on the podcast last night. I said, it's not a big name. And they go, why not? And I go, because it's July 2nd. Who's really going to listen to it? Why would I put fucking Steve Colbert on this week? This is a dead week. But we still had downloads today. We, We had a great day today. But... It's still like this is saving for the middle of a month when you need the numbers. There's little things that these people have no yeah, idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. I heard of a new company that gives you a budget for a podcast for a year, and they're like, "Once the money, you know, they don't know." And I'm just sitting Dude, back. I there. heard someone say, "I heard I won't say the person's name."
1: But he's like, "Hey, when I sign my deal for my podcast, I want to come on and promote it." And I was like, "Sign your deal." What do you mean? He's like, "Well, I'm signing a deal, like a six figure deal with a company to do a podcast." I was like, that's not how it works. That's like, how it works now. I go, you gotta you gotta have a good podcast.
3: <laughs> that's how they're doing it now.
1: Dude, I had everyone listening to this has been listening since day one. And day they one. all know my first four years or three years of this podcast sucked. Sucked. Dude, We're a disaster. Sucked, and sucked. The, I remember I the I, like was horrible. And then and then one day I got interested in it. I remember, I can tell you where it changed for me. And there was obviously podcasts better than that moment. But I did a podcast with Bobby Kelly. And I'm genuinely interested in Bobby. I genuinely love Bobby. And, uh, and I was excited to talk to him. And halfway through, I went, oh, I bet this is a good podcast. I bet they're going to really like this one. And in my head, I was like, because I'm really enjoying this conversation. And then I was like, oh, I can't have people on this podcast that I'm
3: not interested in. I can't have someone that I don't want to talk That's to. That's what they don't understand. People always say, hey, put this guy on. I don't know this fucking guy. Number one, I don't know who this guy is. Number two. yeah, And number three, guess what? I don't want to have nobody on that I don't have like a little rapport with. Or an You're absolutely right. Yeah, Even if they have a book that they wrote, you might not like them, but the book was yeah. interesting. And you want to know how they got the facts for it yeah. or something like that. i yeah. see people on your podcast where, where I go, shit,
1: man. Like, I know for a fact if someone's on your podcast that that I don't know, that's the one I listen to. Same thing with Rogan. So interesting. I found myself with his podcast going, if I don't know the person, that's the one I listen to. Cameron Haynes, man. Yeah, he's great. When when I'm being dead serious. Jocko's great. Cameron Haynes. Dude, Jocko, I... Take a picture of my watch when I start working out just to like, I don't post it, but just because I feel like there we go, I've earned it. Like, or I, I right when I'm done working out. Cameron Haynes is someone on paper, uh, n- no agent would be like, hey man, uh, you know who would be great on a podcast? A ultra marathoner, uh, bow running accountant out of uh, Oregon. Eugene, Oregon yeah. yeah. They'd be like, huh? But man, that motherfucker is he's changed uh, he's changed me in ways personally that he'll never know his i say his phrases when i get on the treadmill i say his phrases in my head when i watch his videos and i go i go you know what this past week i had a rough week party really hard to blend it into three days get to i'm not feeling good i'm in omaha i'm fucking i'm i've barely i mean i do the call and stick to work show but you drink for it so it's it's okay but i go to chris porter's show that night by the way shout out to chris porter he fucking destroyed this weekend chris porter's new hour is funnier he's, than his last hour and I, his last hour is fucking bananas chris porter's a savage dude chris porter is, is a, savage. a legit savage what out where's his new hour at it's he's hey he's just working on it right now but motherfucker he tells two stories where i watched it in the back and i'll say me and you i'll say we're I'll say this. I'll say this about us. We're top ten storytellers in this business. I'll say I, I'd say top five, but top we're in the top ten good storytellers. Chris Porter blew me the fuck out of the water, and I literally sat back there going, "Whoa, man, he's working. He's like doing the work. He's fucking trying new shit on stage every night. He's sitting down with Where a was pen he and Omar? In Omar. He was in Omar the weekend. We partied all weekend. Sat in his room, hotel room, what and were smoked doing weed. Omar? I was doing the concept work show. One show on a Friday morning and then i flew out to do uh calusa casino uh or no not calusa cherokee casino saturday Where's cherokee at? you did it uh you did it a couple years ago maybe. where is it oklahoma oh that's a good one yeah 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 but but uh but anyway i'm 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 not feeling good uh i end up not drinking f- friday night and i wake up saturday i have a later flight and uh get on my instagram and i see cameron Haynes. And he's doing his fast run, whatever his fast run is. I, I thought it meant like he doesn't eat and then runs. I think it might he might have just meant I run really quickly and then come home. And I went, oh, motherfucker, if he can do this, I can do this. And then I hear his phrases in my head: keep hammering, no one cares, work harder. And then I go, fucking Burke, just get up and run for thirty minutes. Just run for thirty Did fucking you go minutes. Yeah, Where? I went on the treadmill in Omaha, ran for thirty minutes, came down. I felt so much fucking better, and I was like shit i got up today on the treadmill i did not feel like working out i got up today on the treadmill just sitting on the couch joey diaz is calling dad joey diaz is calling i go i'll call him back i gotta work out uh and uh but like someone like that and that's what people don't get is someone like like cameron haynes on paper because joe's interested in him and joe finds that interesting he shares it with with his interest begets interest no executive producer could produce that moment joe's got to find the interest and then share it with his fans and then we become interested you did that podcast uh, with that black dude the other day i forget his name the f- uh, and i was like he immediate- play no no the other black dude just it was like it was like maybe it was more than a month a month ago Oh, danny brown
3: yep danny brown
1: danny brown yeah, he's
3: great. I love him. And I'm like, Danny. you know, you realize that like... Danny Brown's a good man. There's not a lot of people that would... He bought 5,000 stars. Dude. 5,200 milligram stars. Dude. 5,000 stars.
1: That That's the difference that's going on in this business. Danish and O'Neal. Man, when I have them on the podcast... Fucking huge numbers. Everyone loves it, and they love those guys. And the reason is they're real. They're unjaded. They don't come in here with an agenda. And, and let me tell you something, man. They are funny as fuck. Funny as fuck. Funny as fuck. End of the night comics at the store. Any agents gone by the time they go on stage, and every agent's like, who's Danish and O'Neill?" They're fucking amazing. Yeah, That's fucking who the fuck amazing. they are. Great you know? writers, man. You bring in you bring in a star like if I had John Hamm on here no d- by the way shout out to John Hamm if you want to come on the podcast uh, I'd love to have you but like like I flew myself to New York to do uh, Deesis and Miro because I think they're fucking good like I, and like their numbers on Facebook or on Instagram aren't that high you know they're on oh, Viceland that doesn't get that many numbers none of no none of my agents knew who they were none of my managers I had to introduce them to my managers but the fucking interview I had people recognizing me in the airport because people get it, they get it, and they respect people to get it. And I was like, fuck yeah. And it's like a, it's, it was, dude, was fucking amazing. You'd be great on Jesus and Miro. But I hit him up about you and Tommy, but I don't know. I think, I think they're, I don't know. I think white comics are, I think they're probably better with like black
3: comics. They do a podcast also. They do, yeah, the, the Viceland show is tremendous. The Bodega, the Bodega yeah, yeah, Boys, yeah, they're yeah, fucking amazing. They're I want to get them on the podcast when they come out. Yeah, they're they're amazing. They're hilarious. They're, they're hilarious. comedian
1: level funny. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just think podcasting is such a weird – you've got to be in it to get it, to really figure it out. You know, whoever would have seen Fighter and the Kid being the bit, one of the biggest podcasts in the country? No one would ever have thought, let's pair – they would have done it before. Let's pair an MMA artist with a comic
3: who's one of the bigger actors in comedy. It really is crazy what it's become. I'm just sitting here waiting for the fucking caves to fall in. Yeah? Yeah, like when does this end? It grows every month. Every month we get more involved, you know. I like talk I to Joe s- about it and Joe goes, I'm afraid the numbers are fudging. Like it's growing so quickly.
1: Like I, my, my, I just did a podcast with John Reap last weekend, last week. I, or I did it before then. I posted it last week. Highest rated podcast I've ever had in my entire podcast my aunt ever highest rated most downloads ever and it's all it is is me and John Reeb got drunk as fuck and talk shit for four hours Talk shit like and people were like I could have listened to another four hours dude if if a producer would never say hey Bert here's the show I want to pitch you on Easter morning I want you and Joey Diaz and your dad and Tom Segura to eat marijuana okay and then have uh one of the most famous vietnam refugees come in like there would never no one would ever say that but that
3: podcast is fucking bananas it's just i can't believe what's going on i'm just here taking a ride you know when i show up at these clubs on the weekends to do stand up i'm blown the fuck away if you know anything about me i'm very grateful you know i'm very grateful for um, I wish I could write more faster, which is a pain in the you ass. You mean like books or material?
1: Material, material. Oh, Joey. The pro- I tell you the, can I tell you the problem, the problem with you is that you don't realize the funniest shit you say sometimes. I'm t- I, my, the, the thing I've always said about you that blows me away is you say things that in passing, that you're just so naturally funny. You say things in passing that would be in my act tomorrow. Tomorrow, My favorite, one, one of my favorite things you've ever said, I don't know if you've ever used it in a special, was you were talking about getting attacked by dogs when you first got to this country. Yeah. And you were like, dog, one time I walked past a dog. He saw me, turned around and was like, fuck it, and came back and, and bit
3: me. He came back and bit me on Forty Eighth Street when I was a kid. Because I used to say hello to that dog every fucking day. Yeah. And the owner, the owner was a fucking scumbag. <laughs> but I was so persistent that he started liking me. And he would stop the dogs And I would go Hey guys
1: Remember the story you told about Snorting coke with Lawrence Taylor Yeah And you're like
3: This is a big motherfucker He's snorting coke off top of the refrigerator That was, that was uh, <laughs> Daryl Dawkins
1: Daryl Dawkins Yeah yeah yeah
3: Fucking God rest his soul Yeah Snorting coke off. You know it's I've been going uh, It's funny This morning I woke up We ate We ate 500 milligrams of moon bars last night Who you and Lee Me and Lee And then 2000 milligrams of stars Holy shit. We weren't high in the office. When the podcast ended, we were ripped. And then I had to drive home, and I went home, and I was so high. I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I had a whole container of salsa with diet tortilla chips. It was fucking disgusting. (laughs) There was tortilla chips all over the floor. I had the raisins, the yogurt-covered raisins that belonged to my daughter. And I I blacked out in the THC. For real? I woke up this morning at eight, my head was off the pillow, three pillows were on the floor. Oh. I was like, Oh my god, I'm not gonna not club soda, would you? I'm not gonna be able to do shit today. And I really didn't have a big day. And I go, you know what? I'm a little sore from jujitsu yesterday. But I'm gonna go back today. Yeah. And I said, Fuck it. And I'm not gonna go at twelve. I'm gonna go at eleven. And I'm gonna do a tack fit workout, do jujitsu and then do the tack fit workout afterward. Because I just wasn't feeling it this morning. Yeah. But I knew one thing, Bert. I went for breakfast at Marie E.T. You ever go to breakfast at Marie E.T.? I've just had coffee there. You should go try the fucking eggs and bacon there. For real? Holy shit. That place has become like it's fucking packed in there in the morning now for breakfast. Yeah. You see the waffles over there? I don't need none of that shit. I don't need waffles or pancakes. The waffles are fucking beautiful. Oh, t- hold on a second.
1: Remind me to talk to you about tomorrow uh, for 4th of July. We're doing a, p- a parade yeah. starting at the school. Okay? 10 a.m. Are you doing it? 10 o'clock? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll okay. see you there. Okay, I'll be, yeah. We're going to dress up. Is uh, is uh, Mercy riding a bike? I don't know. Whatever she wants. Because we, we have uh, a bunch of shit. We're going to decorate
3: the bikes in the morning.
1: I'll call right. you in the morning. So I'm going to take the bike over
3: here. Make them ride the bike to... Yeah, we'll, what we'll it, do is... And then it ends at Valley Village Park. Yeah, Valley Village Park, yeah. Tell what time does it end at?
1: Uh, I don't know, but it's fun. And my... my, You know them, Stephen. You know Stephen. Yeah, he's uh, the marshal of the parade. So they're up front. We'll get up front. It's fun as shit. I, we, we did it when we first moved to this neighborhood. It was the first... We bought the house. And, like, I must have been in, in... Right before... In June. And then Leanne... You know, Leanne's so fucking Uber involved. And she's like... We're going to go to this parade, dude. I, I have social anxiety. Stuff like that makes me nervous as shit. So do I. And uh, the first thing we did when we moved to this neighborhood is we went and did that parade, and I didn't know anybody. And I, you know my personality's big and loud. Yeah. But, like, I get embarrassed. Embarrassed. Me too. And so, uh, but it was so cool, and we got done. And we didn't know anybody, and we felt like everyone knew each other. Dave Chappelle one time had a joke. He's like, remember first grade when you got there and you felt like everyone was already friends? <laughs> and that's how I felt. And I meant to call you today going, because we bought a bunch of decorations. We have tons of extra, because I thought I was like, yeah, she sure, I didn't know she was bringing the bike. Yeah, we're doing well, we're all riding. I think everyone rides bikes. You can walk it. It's pretty slow. But it's everyone rides bikes. So if you got a bike or it.
3: anything, we have a bunch of decorations. We'll we'll yeah, I got no bikes. She's got a bike. Yeah, That's yeah. all that matters. You can walk. So we'll ride the bike over here and then ride back, and that'll put it w- down w- by one she She'll be out fucking cold. Oh. Oh, that's it. You got to put them on the bike from time to time. I'm going to call you. I'm going to I'll call you when we wake up and we start getting ready to do No, that. I'll shoot up because there's a pancake breakfast at 9. Yeah. At Presbyterian Church, sponsored
1: fucking by Maria T.
3: G- Georgia just said that yeah we're driving to get
1: donuts this morning georgia goes uh, hey dad they got a pancake breakfast tomorrow that i'd love to hit up and i was like georgia we're not sponsored I said, by marie et i go georgia we're not going to a fucking pancake breakfast it was gonna be all homeless people she goes no dad it's it's they're like really good pancakes yeah they're good but
3: marie et it's catering it are you serious yeah
1: maybe we'll go to the pancakes then I'm tomorrow we, i asked my
3: wife sometimes she goes well let's see what time you know sometimes she wakes up at 8 30 yeah and she wants to watch cartoons and drink a chocolate milk so we can't really rush. It's on her yeah, schedule. So. Yeah. But she'll be ready by 10. She'll definitely be ready. Right, I'll call you when I wake up. Because Nine, she won't be ready for. Because uh,
1: I would love... Uh, I would. Uh, Georgia was talking about
3: those damn pancakes. Yeah, they got good pancakes. So my wife eats them. I'm, dog, I'm telling you. Are I they doing to, it every Saturday? I don't know. I go to Marie E.T. three times a week for breakfast. Really? Three eggs, two pieces of bacon, the best. Potatoes. In Studio City. Nobody throws away the potatoes. Really? Do not get the hash browns. Get the potatoes. Onions, peppers, fucking delight And I don't eat potatoes for breakfast. You're the one that introduced me to that place. You know yeah. that,
1: right? Oh, I love that Because we lived here forever, and Leanne would go there, and I'd be like, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. And it's then the I, best. And then I started, uh, when I was t- 39 years old, I started losing weight, and I was going to therapy, and I ran into you, and I told you... I was going to therapy, and you were like, fuck
3: that. We're just going to go have coffee every fucking morning, dog. That's it. Marie, so we had
1: coffee every, every morning. Yeah, over that's there.
3: a great—that's my favorite place in the world. They got a dog over there now, Casper. I mean, they got a bunch of losers that hang out there, too, that yeah. have been writing the script since I moved to the Valley. They sit in the corner. They got all these connections. <laughs> I don't pay no mind to
1: them. <laughs> it was that time that I was with the girls. We pulled in. We saw you, and he goes, Dad, it's Uncle Joey. <laughs> And we got out. I think you were were doing a meet. You were having a, you were running and talking to a guy that was a boxer, professional boxer.
3: Oh, fucking Vincent Curdo. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Then the other time you came and we talked to that girl, the young girl, Rose, the 16-year-old. Yeah. (laughs) She's still there. She still says hello to me. How are you, Joey? And And there's a waitress from the store who has coffee there. I see her in the morning. Sometimes I take Mercy to school, drop her off, yeah. and shoot over there. And I sit there and write till ten thirty. So I'm there. I get there like twenty after and I'll just I'll just get a thing. Next week of, I'm gonna be there a lot. I'll get a like, thing of green tea and I'll sit there until I drink two green teas. I write a little bit, yeah, and then I shoot over and go to jujitsu at eleven. Next week I'm
1: I'm going uh I'm going hardcore, trying to just be healthy as shit. And what's wrong with this week? As, you know it's fucking not St. Paddy's Day uh, 4th of July <laughs>
3: uh, yeah um, it's very weird what's going on right now and it all started with that fucking album Yep. when I was about 10 I used to hang out in Union City, New Jersey with these Puerto Ricans and one of the kids had a brother his name was Doom Buggy and we went to his house and we were listening to the, I'll never forget this dog we must have been 10 11 okay. hang
1: on stop right there
3: so the okay the, not the kid I so, ran with
1: no 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 just so you know like what I what I see when you tell stories from my perspective and I always say I'm better I'm and, and Brendan Schaub will raise his hand to the Lord and, and praise sing my praise till the day's end I'm much better at hearing someone's stories and going that that's what's the best part of the story Dune Buggy is my... When you just said that, His you realize was- I'd write that down on a piece of paper and try to work it into nine different... Like, nine, like already I have a joke about uh, getting fucked with with Ralph Sampson and I'm having a hard time writing it because it's a true story and I don't want to go too far from the truth because I, I, it needs to be grounded because Ralph Sampson might hear it and he might really get upset. But... uh but like I'm having a hard time with writing for black people because I need black people to um, have certain experiences in this that I they had. But it, as a white guy, I just was like they were excited, and but already there's a line. There's a line where I go, Doom Buggy would fit in that, per, like doombuggy Buggy would get the biggest
3: fucking laugh. Doom Buggy had an afro. He of was course like five, he had a fucking afro. He was like five foot six, and he had a brother named Galdo. And both of them were on heroin. Like, both of them were degenerate junkies. And the parents knew it, the whole thing. And you go over there, and the parents would tell the Galdo and Doombuggy to go in the other room. Don't let the kids see you. You're both disgusting. Oh. So we're sitting there one day, me and this kid. And he goes, do you want to listen to the Beatles? And I go, yeah, let's put the Beatles on. I don't know. And he put the Beatles' White Album on. And we're having no reefer. Yeah, We're just drinking Cokes, listening to the Beatles, thinking we're cool. And all of a sudden, the door opens up, and out comes Doom Buggy, all fucked up. And he sits next to us, and he's like, what are you two young motherfuckers listening to? And we're like the Beatles, man. And he's like, take that shit off. He goes, you guys know who Richard Pryor is? And we're like, no. We don't want to listen to Richard Pryor. We don't even know what he plays. What songs does he sing? Come on. He goes, This motherfucker doesn't sing any songs, he's a comedian, man. You guys like comedy? And we're like, uh, nah, we want the Beatles. <clears throat> and he put on uh Dracula meets Wino. Oh yeah. I don't know if it's on this album or The Niggas Crazy. Yeah. Or is it something he said and I lost my fucking mind. Like I couldn't believe I was hearing what I was hearing. I left that house and within an hour I had that album. And I would go home and put the Beach Boys on. In those days, you'd put a bunch of albums on. They would drop as you wanted them. So I would have Pryor playing, but I'd have the Beach Boys over it. So if my mom came into the room, I could drop the Beach Boys real quick. Oh, with that arm. And she wouldn't that, hear that arm. Yeah, it would drop it. Yeah. And she wouldn't hear, uh, fuck a nigga this, and suck my motherfucking dick. So my mom wouldn't hear it. <laughs> but that changed my life. Like, I don't know about George Carlin. At that time, when I heard Richard Pryor, it was Richard Pryor. My first two years of stand up, listening, like as a fan, it was Richard Pryor. Then my friend's like, You know who George Carlin is? I'm like, Fuck George Carlin. And they're like, You have to hear George Carlin. That opened up another door. Then David Brenner, and then Freddie Prince. So those were my first, but to me, it was always been Richard Pryor. That's so funny. Bicentennial Nigga, The Nigga's Crazy, and if it was it something I said? Those are three brilliant fucking albums in my world. Like,
1: my, I, my yeah, mine was uh, Kinnison.
3: Kennison, the first one.
1: Kennison and Eddie Murphy.
3: Kennison, the first one, is fucking amazing. Really amazing. Hotter Than Hell or something like that. Uh, Louder Than I think it's Hotter Than Hell. Hotter Than Hell. Yeah, that's a great album. That's live on the Sunset Strip. Bicentennial nigger I had. I still Uh, remember listening to me and like six guys would go to my house and fucking smoke a joint and listen to... We had to be thirteen, twelve. I might upgrade all these pictures to comedy
1: albums because I like. I liked I liked Andy Griffith. Griffith, I thought he was an interesting comic to listen to because he'd tell those stories, but it was very jokey. I went to a football game and they had grape soda. Have you ever had grape soda? That was the way he did stand up. Really interesting way. It's more like a Mike Burbiglia kind of approach. I think. I, I think I always took at it. Like, I always took a very Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy approach to doing stand up. Like, I, I think Joe and Bill are both more of a Kennison guy. Like, find the point, argue the point, find the point, work it sideways kind of guy. I never, that never worked with me because I, I, I think, and this is going to sound uh, arrogant or what, sound whatever, but I I think I was more personality driven I think people look at me and they go oh this guy reminds me of that guy I can't wait to see what he I hope he drinks beer and likes to giggle you know and I think I think Pryor or I think Eddie Murphy maybe even more but we're more personality driven you know they're does that make sense yeah but like the thing that you have that Pryor has is like and I think this is what I I I don't know I don't know shit but like when you say a name like Doom Buggy, that that for me is that for me is a huge laugh in a story. I just pull his fucking name out and plug it anywhere, and be like, "It's or just like stuff like that." For me, I go. Sometimes with with you, I go. I don't know if you like Patrice was that way. Like I never thought Patrice realized why he was so brilliant. You know. Like, Patrice, Patrice is a brilliant comic. just like you. But like, Patrice would tell me a story and I'd be fucking sitting there like not wanting the story to end. He told me a story one time about um, the cool kid in his neighborhood, Tony. We were talking about picking up chicks. He was like, man, like, and he was not running a bit on me. He was just talking the way you talk. He was like, man, the cool kid in our neighborhood was Tony. Man, he was just so cool. I'd watch him and he'd just take a chick and like throw her in front of the fire hydrant. And then one day I'm like, fuck it, that's what you gotta do, is get a bitch wet. So I just put her in a headlock, and then, and he's he doesn't realize he's doing a bit. And maybe he did, I don't know. I mean, I really can't tell you, as much as I can't say if you are, but like, I knew him. He was just telling me a story about this one kid, Tony, and how cool he was. And I was like, sitting there fucking amazed, going, I'd use all this in my act. I'd use every, I'd recreate this story. And it's so, you know... Which is so frustrating about thieves is that, you know, they, they take what's good about you and then try to plug it into their own shit. And
3: you're like, nah, man. Well, the problem with these stories is that I lived them. It is. It this is. isn't that I wrote this. That Okay, wait. I lived these fucking things. So, so
1: talk to me about you, that because... You can't steal this. You no, know, but talk to me about how hard it is to take these stories in your life and take them on stage. Because I know for a fact I have an attachment to the truth and to the integrity of the story. I can't just
3: fucking take it off on a tangent and make it into a a fantastical story. I had these guys follow. Let me tell you what the real problem with Hollywood is. I had these guys follow me for eight months. Yeah. CAA guys. Yeah. Not agents, writers. Yeah. Comedy shows. I mean, you name it. Tapings, film tapings, open mics and recede on Tuesday night. Anything I did, these guys showed up. We met three times a week. I told them every particular of my story. We didn't miss a beat. We sat there for eight hours, broke it down into three sections. They disappeared for eight weeks. They came back in December and they hit me with a pilot. It was so fucking bad. <laughs> because everything I gave them, they changed around. Yeah. They they played Hollywood. Don't play Hollywood. The yeah. story is how it is. Yeah. The pilot was me taking a piss test. Why are we doing this? I had a friend that got a DUI. They took him to the hospital, and while he was in the hospital getting stitches, he broke into the pharmacy and took a vial of liquor, cocaine, and jumped out the back window. Yeah. All right? Well, let's write around that, that we went in there, and he knows how to break in, and we steal the UA. There's something there. But these people wanted to rewrite characters. Like, the guy's my best friend. He went to NIT, MIT, put himself to MIT. He's 52. He still lives at home. He just got a job five years ago. One of my best friends in life. Smartest dude I ever hung out with, but just didn't have no ambition. You know, leave him alone. No, they came back. Let's make him 28. And he's like your slave. What are you talking about? This Uh. guy was like my main, when when we was in college, we made money by selling blow together to his college friends at MIT. You know, they took everything and they tried to rewrite it. There's nothing to rewrite here. I tell you a fucking story. While I'm telling it to you, there's little things part of that story that's funny that I didn't see as I wrote it out on paper. You know, I'm driving. Look, like the other day I was talking to somebody. And they were telling me about, I just went to San Francisco. And every time I fucking go to San Francisco, I get a fucking uh, a light bulb. Because I don't know if you know this, I lived in San Francisco in 85 as a stone-cold gangster. Really? Like I was a 24-hour gangster. The only day job I held was I bartended three nights a week at Haight-Ashbury at a bar called Rockin' Robbins. But every other movement I did was traveler's checks, credit cards, and drugs. That's what I did all day with these Cuban refugees that came from Marielle in 1980. Yeah. When I was a kid, my mom would always call me a bugarrón, a buga, and I didn't know what it meant. A bugarron mm-hmm. is a dude that's like a half a fag, but not really. He goes to prison in Cuba, and he's such a macho Latin guy yeah. that he f- fucks guys, and they suck his dick, but he don't get fucked, and he don't suck nobody's dick. So I never knew about... you I know. Mean, I don't, all right. want so, to be a t-shirt. So Bugarron. We don't suck dick. We just get our dick sucked, right? So...
1: Oh, I'm a total bugger.
3: <laughs> you can't believe this shit. So I moved to San Francisco. I'm a criminal. And one day, Bambusi comes up to me. He goes, do you have a gun? And I go, yeah. And he goes, do you want to bodyguard this dude for three days? Yeah. And I go, sure. He goes, he pays like three, 400 a day. Do you want to bodyguard? And I go, yeah. I didn't know about about bodyguard. But I wanted to shoot people. Yeah. So this is going to be my quickest way of being a bodyguard. So. I go to work the next day, I shake the guy's hand. He's a Cuban drug dealer. Married, kids, but he's a bugarrón. The people who help him sell drugs are two of his chicks that he just puts wigs on. They're guys. He just puts wigs on them in a dress, and he fills their fucking breasts with little cups. Yeah. And they got dicks and like a day-old beard. But they make believe they're women. And he beats on them, and he fucks them, and then he goes home to his wife. And they suck his dick. And they help him sell drugs. Yeah. I was telling these guys, you know, the first day, it was just really simple. I just had to stand on the corner and be a lookout. But the next day, he would beat those two women in broad daylight. Like, if they made a mistake or something, yeah, he would just start smacking them. And they would go down, and he would kick them. The wig would fall off. He'd punch them in the face twice. You can't write this shit. Yeah. No writer has ever experienced a bugarron because they don't know what this is. Yeah. And I know that gays today have a name for that. A guy that'll just come over, fuck you in the ass, and you suck his dick. But he don't want nothing else. He don't want no dick. Uh, there was a uh, great comic. I
1: don't know his name. He's got a show on True TV who has a great story about that. Yeah, there's
3: guys that just and he did get- it. He did it on This Is Not Happening, I think, this year. They just want to get their dick sucked Yeah, and uh, fuck you in the ass and move on with their life. Yeah, maybe still your the wallet. fuck would listen to that? So I ended up robbing the guy. Yeah. About a month later, he comes back with a shipment from Miami, and he doesn't hire me to be a bodyguard, but I know where he's staying. Yeah. So I I, I watch him one day leave, and I break into one of his hotel rooms, and I go, and this is the idiot I was. I go in his hotel room, and there's a bag filled with money, American money. I'm talking rubber bands after rubber bands. Yeah. I take two of the rubber bands, I leave the rest. There's a bigger suitcase filled with Colombian money. Oh wow! with All these Colombian bills, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, I must have eight million dollars here. What do you think I did? I left the American money, and I took the Colombian money. Yeah, that's how stupid I am. <laughs> I even right. I even hired a bodyguard to walk me to the bank the next day. I hired this big black guy. i like, dog, we're getting you paid today. Eight
2: million
1: dollars. I got Colombian eight million money. Colombian.
3: I went down and had like 114 cash in that yeah. old satchel. I almost killed myself. <laughs>
1: Like, I don't,
3: who the fuck writes that? I don't remember. I didn't remember that until I was in San Francisco. Yeah. Like, last week when I was walking with my wife, I would go, oh, shit. You see the store here? I used to bring them traveler's checks by the boxes. And they would give me 60% of the dollar. Yeah. So if I showed up here with $1,000 in traveler's checks, they'd give me six and they'd use the traveler's checks themselves. Yeah. It was that kinky back then in '85, you know? You can't write this shit. You can't. And, you know, it's. One, I remember one time
1: being in a development deal uh, at NBC. Shout out to Tal Rabinowitz. Tal Rabinowitz is a – Tal Rabinowitz, I'll say this right now. Someone hit her up and let her know this. The first deal I was ever in, I, I think the first deal I was ever in, maybe second deal, first deal, uh, she was an assistant at Mindy and Michael uh, Shul- Weiss and Shoheis, Shul- I think were the names. She was assistant there. Beautiful, Joey. Beautiful. To this day gorgeous. Like legit legit. Yeah. Legit gorgeous. And uh, had a total crush on her. And I uh, we wrote her in as the love interest in my sitcom that year. Like wrote we made her name Tall. And, and it, so it was like obvious everyone knew I had a crush on her. But uh super super professional and I was I'm a coward. I'd never never even asked her out on a date, never even talked to her. I mean I talked to her at the in the whatever, but she became the uh executive of comedy or something, or like the head of comedy at NBC going for a meeting, don't realize it's her. I sit down, I'm like, oh shit, tall. She buys it right away. In the room, I think she bought the sitcom. Uh, hire these great writers, really great guys, really great guys. I I, I can't shit on them. But I will say, in their youth, and in the in the in the in the arrogance of youth, we come up with a sitcom that everyone agrees on, and then they I think wrote it for themselves. They wrote it as if they were the lead characters, you know. I remember saying one time to someone, my dad would never say that. It was The whole plot, premise, premise was that you gave my dad marijuana. It was about you. Me and you and we're all here. And You gave my dad marijuana and and the way my dad reacted that day, you remember. My dad was like, oh, fuck it. But he, he was like, what am I going to do? And I was like, my dad didn't say that. He was like, no, but that, that's what my dad would say. I was like, yeah, but it's not about your dad. Your dad. It's about my dad. And that this really happened. And this is a real thing. That, by the way... Like a hundred thousand, couple hundred thousand people listened to, and would really connect with to watch
3: the parts that they didn't listen to. You know, They listened um, to what they wanted to. They wrote what they wanted to.
1: And they're the writers. They they deserve to write what they
3: want. We pitched it four times. We got a bite from CISO. Then CISO didn't want to do anything. Yeah. And they came back and they go, we got three more meetings. I go, I don't want to go out with that no
1: more. Yeah.
3: And they were shocked. I was like, my buddy, uh, I'm doing a tv show with my
1: buddy tony who's uh i i was unaware in the process of our lives just stayed friends didn't know that like he had just blown up as a tv producer Uh, like i almost arguably revolutionized the business entirely um 100 percent. there's an article about him in variety about how he changed the way tv's made and his note was i just want to tell your stories that's it i just want to tell your stories I don't want to. I don't want to fucking. I don't want a, a a format. I don't want anything. I just want to tell you stories. That's it. I just want to tell you stories. He was like, if it goes on Facebook, cool. If it goes on YouTube, cool. If we sell it to CBS, great. I don't need the money. I don't. I know you don't need the money. I just want to be able to tell your stories and just have fun and make a project, make a fun project with you. And I was like, dude, that's exactly where I'm at right now in this business is I go
3: I want to do shit that's really fun if it's not fun it's not about the money like I can't listen I'm too old to do something for the money I would break it down completely and tell you the truth yeah like I already like if you call me and say Joe I got a sitcom for you this is what it pays 13 weeks it shoots in Santa Monica I'll say look I'm gonna tell you something I like you a lot yeah the Santa Monica that's your big problem. That's
1: what I love about you, You go, Would you tell me one time, Dog, you can't get me to fucking uh Santa
3: Monica at four PM? No. <laughs> you no. No, 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 no. Even tomorrow I was thinking about if I didn't have the if I didn't have the parade tomorrow, I was gonna go to acupuncture tomorrow. Yeah. Because it'd be that easier for me. It'd be a quick thirty five yeah. minute run. To Marina Del was everyone's,
1: everyone's partying.
3: Everybody's party. I can leave here at 9.30 and be back by 12. When my wife told me about the parade, I was pissed. I don't uh. like driving, and I'm not going to drive on weeks I travel.
1: I went to, uh, I, got, I got in the car to go to a meeting one time, saw that it was in Santa Monica, and it was like, how do I get out of this? How do I get And by the way, it was like a good meeting. The best meeting I ever had was uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's company. It was like right here, it was like six minutes away. And I was like, and it, and it was at his house. I was like, uh, I was, in my head, I, was, I told him at the, end of the, at the end of the meeting, I was like, hey, by the way, uh, I'll do whatever you want. You don't
3: even have to pay me because I like this drive. <laughs> Six minutes. No, it's, it's just so many things now that I, I would take, I would process and say how I would work around. My I did something really smart about 10 years ago, right before, no, about 12 years ago. I started running stuff by my wife, and I'll tell you why. Because she's not in the business, and she's not a whore like I am. So uh, she would look at me and go, "Why are you doing this for this money?" No, call him back. Tell him you want this. If not, you're not doing the game. They have no emotional attachment. They have no Leanne emotional does that attachment shit too. She and they're going- beautiful. They know exactly. They, she know she presses my buttons, and I listen to her. She said, "So this weekend
1: I'm in Columbus, wow. and uh, I got my press list." Our big thing, the big thing I, we talked about after this week, she was like, hey, just don't drink it. I, I don't even need to do press. I do press for the clubs because I go – because press has helped me my entire career. Sure. And sure. So I fly in a day early. And if the club wants to do press and the shows are sold out, just to do press because that's when that counts for them. And, and it will sell tickets for Matt Fultron on Sunday and Thursday and – or, yeah, Thursday and Sunday. It will sell tickets for him. And so I'll fly in. I don't care. I'll take a direct flight on Thursday Make sure I get in for the shows Have a good night Steak dinner Go see Fultron at the club Have a few cocktails Go to sleep Do press But my wife uh, Was like uh, Was like hey What's the one where they drink at Because she knows in Columbus There's one that drinks I go it's the very last one And I've had so much coffee I don't mind having a drink She goes nah, Cancel that one Cancel it And go to the gym And I was like Yeah but you don't understand like this She goes no Cancel it And go to the gym and so I was like, yeah, but I've known these people for a long time. She goes, no. Cancel it. Go to Trader's Joe's right by the hotel. Go to the gym. Work out. If you want, walk around. Go buy something at North Face if you need to. But go to sleep. Get a good night, good afternoon sleep. And then go to the fucking club. That having no emotional attachment to it really fucking really changes helps it. You. I don't and have that. I have emotional same. attachment to everything. No, she I have does feelings the for Dave troop. I love Dave troop. I love doing his clubs. I'm grateful for those dates. I'm grateful that for the way he treated me business wise at the beginning of this year, and I go, I owe that guy. If he wants me to do press, my wife. By the way, Liam' real note was flying Thursday, flying or flying Friday. Just don't do any press. And but I, I'm, I'm like that. I'm like you. I'm
3: like I I do Thursday, Friday, Saturday in in Columbus. I fly to th- anywhere. I anywhere. fly in Thursday. I do all the radio Friday. They have. Yeah. I don't do podcasts on the road. Sorry, Charlie. I do I'm some. In, no, I don't do any. I do I some. Can, that's where Leanne is correct. No podcast. <laughs> we live in the we live in the fucking podcast. Whatever. Yeah. I do a podcast Sunday, Tuesday, Monday, or Wednesday. I'm not going to get on a plane to do a podcast. Yeah. That's never going to happen.
1: There's one I will tell you that I think's worth it, a hundred percent. Which one? Orlando. Tom and Dan.
3: Yeah, I don't go to Orlando, so no. it don't matter. <laughs> Don't <laughs> oh, matter. No, there's no podcast. We live in the capital. Podcast. Yeah, I don't need to do a podcast on the yeah, road. You're right. If you don't have legitimate radio, leave me in my room. If I could write a joke or rest or go to the gym, yeah, that's it. Listen, on the road now, I don't go nowhere. Yeah, but they got the best rip. That's great. If it's not across the street or walking distance from the hotel. Joey doesn't see said it
1: said that this week Okay I, no, I
3: don't I, don't, I don't do not shit man I don't do nothing I don't want to do nothing I don't want to see nothing I don't want to do nothing Yeah I get in Thursday I go to my hotel room I take a shit I take a shower I roll the joint I go downstairs I eat some I smoke that joint I go back to my room And I wait till The show starts At what time? Eight Don't yeah. pick me up till Quarter to eight Ten to eight Yeah I don't want to see nobody I don't need to be out I go Yeah. yeah. I go there five after eight Everybody's seated yeah. I go, I do it. I go back to the room Thursday night. Thursday night party a little bit. Yeah. I'll do an edible. If I got a Xanax, I'll eat a Xanax, smoke a joint. And then Friday, I'll get up early. And What's it like to eat an edible and a Xanax? Do you ever do it together? Oh, fuck yeah. All the time. does it feel it like? tames the edible. It tames the edible? It tames the edible. <laughs> it tames the edible. It's, it's like having a zookeeper. You know what I'm saying? Xanax <laughs> tames the edible. Oh. So... Oh, Sometimes oh. you eat an edible and you get too much anxiety, so fuck it. Let me get something prepared. Oh. You drop two Xanaxes and a three hundred milligram. You're on your way. So you take
1: the Xanax before the edible?
3: No, I take the edible first. Let it stop bothering me a little bit on the flight, and then I pop the Xanax. Then you drink a little Canadian. You drink a little fucking doers and ginger ale. Oh, it's all over. You understand? I got the perfect recipe. That might be my new perfect recipe. That's Can I per- tell you what happened? So. Uh, we
1: were talking about this trip. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say this. Well, I don't give a fuck. I was talking about this trip and I was saying, you know, the problem is sometimes on the road, the nights will get away from me. Like, you know, you go around and you have people send shots to the stage. You have really crazy moments. And then I said, uh, they said, what helps the most? I said, well, in LA, like if, I, if I'm if i at the store, there's always a joint getting passed around. I know when I'm done, I'll just go take a hit of a joint and I'll just, I know that my night's over. I'm going to slow roll my drink. I'm going to go get in a, uber and i'm going home i don't i like and my wife and my therapist were like can you bring marijuana with you on the road i think i text yeah, i called i, I called you and i go yeah I, I could but it's illegal and they're like how illegal like if it's gonna help you just do it and then i was like what if i get arrested and leanne's like what if you get arrested then you're a comic. You brought weed on the road. That's how that works. <laughs> you gotta re- look. You already. You're, it's not gonna stop you from making money. Who gives a fuck if you get arrested? It's so dark. And so part of me was like, was like, I called you up. I was like, how do I, how do I bring it? And uh, but I ended up not. But I ended up getting it in, in Orlando, and that was the perfect end of every night. Was I'd take a, I brought a one hitter with me. I take a one hitter, uh, and and pack it out, smoke it, go to bed, and be done. I think that's part of what happened. didn't happen in New
3: York, although I ended up smoking. Friday morning, I get back from radio. Yeah. I eat breakfast. I get stoned to the gills. I take a joint and to radio. Yeah. I roll two joints, one before radio and one after I eat breakfast, and I get back. Really? You know, radio's only one or two stations now. I do four. So it's not like it's you're going to be do there. I four. Well, it depends where you go.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you go, go, go to
3: Omaha, or- you you're doing one. We're doing one. You're doing, so doing so Tampa, you're
1: doing. you're doing one. You go to D.C., you do one. So
3: you come back to your room. I fucking, I I nap from 1030 till about one or two. This is gonna Get sound up. silly. Do you take
1: uh, like, do you, would you I know that you're not like a, like, you don't really care Indica or Sativa,
3: but would you smoke an Indica? To no, s- I just take Indicas. <laughs> you and Joe are both like, who gives a fuck? It's weed. Let's smoke it. No, Joe likes Sativa for years. Yeah, Everybody he hung out with in Hollywood was on a Sativa kick and made you creative. Shut the fuck up. Just smoke the fucking joint and shut the fuck up. <laughs> I take indica with me, no hybrid indica. Yeah. So I got the small, the strongest shit on the road, and I take three eighths. I take three eighths with me on the road. Three different types of weed, dog. Really? Yeah, because I'm gonna be there three days. So you bring three so different I types. I want mix of weed. it around.
1: Because I love that you were really, so you I introduced go on stage, me there. I bring two Dylan. joints.
3: I bring two joints to the show, one for the eight o'clock show, one for the ten o'clock for halftime. Yeah. And then I put a Xanax in my pocket. Midway during my set, I pop the Xanax. When I leave there, I'm on fire. I'm ready to go to bed. Yeah. Uh, Friday, I go to the gym around 5. I go back to my room. And 99% of the time, I order room service for dinner. Really? Protein. Salmon. Yeah. Steak. You don't eat at the clubs? No. No. Really? That shit will kill you. Shit will kill you. It's like three clubs you can eat at. The rest is just nachos. But the salmon lately at the clubs have been really good. No, I won't eat salmon at no fucking comedy club. There's no con- <laughs> That's all pond salmon. And then I uh, go back to the hotel Friday. I stay up late that night because I want to be able to go to sleep Saturday night when I get back because I'm on the first flight out. There's
1: what do you no mean? You stay, up late? you
3: stay up late Friday? So I stay up late Friday, 2, Law & Order, whatever's on HBO. I'll bring a Netflix. Okay. Get up at 7 or 8. Early, eat breakfast at the hotel, get lit at 9, take my medication, and I go back to bed from 9 till about 2. I get up, I write for an hour, I eat lunch. I I write in between the lunch, and then I go to the gym, and I work out for an hour. By the time I get back to my room, i got like an hour and a half if I have to go back to the show. So everything's quick.
1: I like that. I I like that.
3: I I love getting,
1: I love waking up. Going to do something like get lunch or something. Come back, take a nap. I like waking up around five. Uh, going right to the gym and
3: working out up until the show, about thirty minutes out from the show. That's it. And just go like take a this shower. Is my thing, yeah. Take a shower, and you're ready to get picked up. Your legs are tightening up. I take a nice cold shower. Yeah. So my muscles don't get sore. I do the two shows. By the time I leave for my two shows on Saturday, I'm already packed. Everything's put away. Computer. Yeah. The only thing that's out is the clothes for the morning and the shave kit. That's it. I've got a protein shake in the refrigerator for breakfast so I can eat at the fucking thing. And I'm on the first flight out, my friend. I don't give a fuck if I only sleep two hours. Last week in Long Island, I went to bed at 1. I was up at 3.30. Car picked me up See, at 4. See, with booze, that'll kill you. Yeah. Then I I
1: started, taking, I started taking the later flights on Sunday. Just because I was like, because I almost missed one in Omaha one time, and I was like, I don't. But I love coming home at 10.
3: 10 at night. No, ten in the morning. I love when you get home at ten in the morning. I'm. A, there's no alcohol on Saturday. There's nothing. Uh, I pick up my check. That's the only thing I do at that club. Is that you I look pick at your check, check in front
1: of the manager?
3: Fuck yeah. <laughs> I don't. Fuck yeah. I don't. And, and if there's a discrepancy, I hate I,
1: confrontation.
3: I, if there's discrepancy, that's a couple. I put it in my pocket. And I'll have my agent deal with it. If it's yeah. a big discrepancy, i got to raise my hand. Yeah. Because it's my motherfucking money. I want to see what his reaction is to my questions and shit. Yeah. Put it in my pocket. I take some pictures. I say, I take all the abuse in the world. Come on. One drink. Come on. Good. Yeah, I'll meet you. Yeah. Wait for me. I'll be there in 10 minutes. Yeah. Come on. Do you didn't know? See? Yeah. Do you do a meet and greet line? Yeah. Do you sell merch? No. No? No. Oh, I only want to focus on stand-up. I don't want to worry about T-shirts. I don't want to worry about them sending them back. I don't want to worry about them sending them. I don't want to put them on the free luggage on American Airlines. I don't want to do none of that stuff. I just want to focus on my stand-up. Yeah. I want my stand-up to be top-notch. I never want nobody not to come up to me because they don't have a $25 for my T-shirt. If they listen to the podcast yeah. and they've been listening for the last five years, come over here, shake my hand, and fucking give me a hug. You, do you want a t-shirt? t-shirt? You want a T-shirt? Go online. I'm not carrying T-shirts across the country. I didn't do this to become a salesman. And while you're on stage, you're thinking about it. I have to go out there in between shows. Shows are sold out. They don't want you out there. Shows are sold out. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want you out there. That's they, the problem. They tell you. So here you are trying to sell shirts. You got people coming off in the first show, coming back for to, to pictures. The picture ain't right. The shirts are medium. Forget the shirts. And then yeah. before you leave, you count them. You got 20 shirts. By the time you get them in the mail on Monday, you got nine. Because the staff up themselves. Yeah. So you your fucking shirt to 20 hours <laughs> Forget it. Uh, my wife will send them. That's her job. Yeah. Cups, all that shit. I don't want to take nothing on the road. <laughs> When I'm on the road, I want to worry about stand-up comedy.
1: I'll t- okay, I'll, t- I'll tell you the thing. I'll tell you the thing I started doing. We'll talk about it off of the thing. That is super no- low maintenance and, and, and good money.
3: I, I, you know what, bro? For me, they pay $25 for a ticket. Yeah. I want to
1: give them the best show they can. Okay, get. what do you think about, what do you think about, how, how do you feel like if someone said, we want to raise your ticket price? What do you feel? How do you feel I about that? Them to go
3: fuck so. I really? keep it all under control. Yeah, my I've, ticket prices are twenty five dollars, twenty six fifty, twenty on a fucking Thursday, twenty two on a Friday early, twenty five. Yeah. These idiots try to joke them up. You're insulting people. You're just insulting people. I had the guy from Milwaukee tell me. He goes, I don't know how many comics have come in here, sold a thousand seats, gone up to twenty six fifty, sold fourteen hundred the next year, came back the next year sold nineteen hundred. And guess what they do the fourth year? $60. Guess what happens? They go right back to 900 tickets. I'm not into all that. We have so many avenues to make money as a comedian in today's world. You don't have to fuck people in the ass. Yeah. You know, my big beef, like for me to vote for you, it's not going to be for your GOP or your insurance. What happened to this country's ability for you to take Lila and Georgia and your wife to a Dodger game? You're very fortunate. Yeah, You go to 10 Dodger games a week, but most American families can't. How about the Lakers? You know how many Nick games I went to grow up, I went to see as a child? Yeah. 200. Yeah. I went to Christmas Day against the Sixers. NBA on CBS on Christmas Day. Yeah. Those tickets are $15. America can't do that. No. I'm going to St. Louis next week, okay? There's only uh, one airline that goes direct. You know how much that plane ticket was? For a direct flight for the economy? No. $706 on American Airlines. Really? Okay? What if I had three kids and and I wanted to take them to Kansas City to see their mother or St. Louis? Yeah. So what I try to do is I always thought comedy was the offset of a movie. I go see Baby Driver, it's sold out, everything else is sold out. I look around. Hey, Bert Christ is over there. Yeah. Let's go over there. How much could it be 21 22 but i don't think it should be 35 dollars. that's 70 and a two drink minimum plus a surcharge i had someone, say, the, and I all had that someone say that to me one time i don't want to do it i don't want to do it i don't want to work for people who put a surcharge on their websites i take care of my people i keep my t-shirts low i see people charge for their t-shirts and mugs what do you for my shirt 10 20 bucks yeah 20 bucks 20 bucks 20, yeah. the flat 20 i saw someone selling them 25 i said what the fuck's wrong with 25 you? 35 they got better well, material yeah, i go
1: I go, yeah, I go it's 20 it's 20 bucks it's so much easier for someone to give you 20 bucks in my head than 25 and then and my my other thing i go i look at is like my t- I, the one thing and i i i talked to i talked to a bunch of people about this um the beginning of this year is i got theater offers for the first time and i was like oh cool definitely want to go do theaters Ticket prices were like 35 bucks, and I went, no, man, my fans, I mean, I'm not saying my fans don't have money, but I'll tell you right now, my fans have money, but if if, if they're going to come see me, I want their night to be full of fun. I want them to be able to get a me car too. service and get a, and get a taxi, too. drink, get loaded, uh, have a good dinner, get home, have Guess a Guess what sitter. I did?
3: Guess what I did? What? I got all the booking agents from CAA, and I got them all on a conference call. And I said, just so long, because Frosty called from New York, and he's like, there's a dude that wants to book you. It's a subscription. The tickets are $55. Ah, ah. Yeah, but you're going to make this. I don't give a fuck what I'm going to make. I don't want to insult them. I don't want them to call. I don't, I don't want, want them to insult Because them saying to each other online,
1: no, no offense, uh, I, 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 I'm not going to go. Bert's not worth 55 bucks. Then that hurts me, because I go, I go, hey, man, I, first of all, I think I'm worth a million bucks. But... I think on your on your theater dollar budget on your budget go see a show, it's, dude. It's twenty bucks, twenty five bucks. If, <laughs> if, if you if if I charge thirty, it's only because uh, I have theater offers that are offering fucking hundred dollar tickets, and I go. I want to stay in the clubs. I want to stay in the clubs. I want to do Fridays and Saturdays. Do four shows. I don't want to sit because my the way I look at it is, I don't want to go to the sto- Have to go to the store. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to write material. I want to write material. I want to go to the store on Monday, Tuesday or uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. Maybe do Kill Tony on Monday, jump into a belly room, do three shows on a Tuesday, jump into a main room sometime. But for me, I write material Thursday, Friday, Saturday and then I come home. I want my time in LA. I want to spend it with my family. And so that time that I write, the time that I work, the time that I do stand-up, if you want to see it, it's not a $60 ticket. No. Someone's going to don't. I don't, don't want to do it. I'm going to be bet. super famous
3: next year, and someone's going to go. You said it wasn't $60. You know, it's funny because <laughs> last year we were both part of the tour that canceled. Yeah, oh. And this is very funny. <sighs> Man. The tickets that were $115 me. for four shows. They were what? $115 a ticket for all those shows. Who did that? Whatever. Whoever yeah. the fuck. Live Nation. And then Gabriel had bought those tickets. So Gabriel says, I'm already committed. I'm going. So when they all canceled, Gabriel had the power to call the Fort Lauderdale improv and do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the six o'clock show. Now, Live Nation at first blamed it all on, on Gabriel. Like you didn't sell no tickets. Yeah. Gabriel went and sold out all those Fort Lauderdale shows. And that's a big at club. sixty dollars a ticket. What? Sixty dollars was a so people wouldn't pay the one fifteen. For Gabriel, Sebastian, Tom Segura, you, me. But they paid Elijah. the 60 for Gabriel. Yeah. It didn't make sense to me. And I started thinking, 100 You throw people... Like right now, Amy Schumer's charging $100. You don't know how many times I've gotten in an elevator with people out of town and they were like, Jesus Christ, we went to see Amy Schumer last week. Yeah. I spent $300 on tickets. And we had nosebleeds. You know, I don't Listen man. I never got into this business to be successful, to be rich or prior. I knew the odds were against me. I was a convicted felon. I had a certain way of thinking. For me just to to have the privilege to do this has been an honor. That I don't have to rob houses or drug dealers and I can sleep at night. Yeah. So that to me is enough. That to me is enough.
1: Yeah.
3: The money part of it Is great, but I lived without money for so long that you're not going to really, you know, somebody had a great line one time. You, you can't bribe a money. A person doesn't want money. Can't bribe me no more. Yeah. 20 years ago in LA, you could have talked me into shit. Now Uh, you can't. Yeah. I don't, you couldn't talk me into a hundred dollar ticket girl and that woman two blocks from here, the most important thing in the world to me. I got a second chance. I got a second chance at my health. Those are the number one, two things in me. Stand-up and everything else is background music. Yeah. Someday stand-up is going to be like, uh, I'm writing the book in August. The, the kid's coming. Yeah. I hired a writer, an assistant writer. I'm getting a new computer in August. I'm writing the proposal once and for all. I wrote it and it got swollen. The website went out of business, Lit Lift. So they took five of my chapters. So I was cracked for six weeks. I said, that's it. I hope to get the offer by December so I could start writing the book the first half of next year, Justin's got bad news coming because I'm not going on the road. That's not you know I'm gonna stay in town and write this. This book is more important to me than anything in the world. The last thing Elian said today,
1: cause we were talking about the road. She was like, "How how much does uh how much does Joey do the road?" And I said, "None." I said, Joe, it's you got to it 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 takes either Joey's got to know you and like you." Or it's got to be worth his time,
3: like Friday, Saturday. Me? You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Yeah. I I'm, I'm a hard worker. Yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But I'm on the first flight out on the first flight in. I know exactly how to do it. I don't want no drama. I felt that, listen, I'm not a fucking pussy. I've worked eight weeks in a row and twelve weeks oh, in a yeah. row. You
1: did the you did the you did the legit road work now that Stanhope talks about where yes. you're, it's
3: like six months out of shot. Yep. Okay, but when numbers started selling, the longest I did was twelve weeks. That took two weeks off, and I went out for another eight with Justin. Justin knows I'm a workhorse. The problem was when I was doing a Justin style, yeah. I was fifty pounds heavier yeah. because of the lack of sleep and the traveling. Yeah. I was. Uh, The numbers on the podcast were good, but once I started doing it my way, it went from 100,000 to millions of downloads. Yeah. So, you know, like I told you, I want to give enough attention to my wife, my child, podcasting, writing, my health, and stand-up. For me to make all those things work, you got me for two weeks. That's it. And I could excel in every area that's provided, that's put in front of me. After those three weeks, it's the law of diminishing returns. I might make that extra money with the week, that extra week, but things start to suffer. I'm a little tired. I didn't book a guest that week. I, I, yeah, man, I could not. I didn't go to jujitsu jitsu that week. That's you know, exactly twice. what it is, Joe. No, and I don't want to do that's that. That's exactly what it is. I don't give a fuck what they tell me. Every time I go to CA, another agent pulls me aside and said, man, you'd make so much more progress. This morning I went online to put a clip up, yeah. a, a clip up for a, a, a week, a, a night I'm doing. It was a true story, guy. And when I'm looking for my date, I saw that Sebastian's there this week, and he sold out five shows. And I'm there on the 29th, and my tickets are still selling. This guy sold five shows out. He sold 5,000 seats at the same place where I'm doing one show. And I might sell out one show. He sold out five of them. I got to be honest with you. For nine seconds, I said, you know, maybe I should start going on the road and looking at that side of my life a little more. No. doesn't really matter what Sebastian's doing. Mm-hmm. I've carved a niche out for myself. I'm very happy with it. Yeah, I'm very happy I don't have to rub shoulders with people I don't really like anymore. I'm very happy I don't have to go to the store five nights a week. I'm very happy. I don't have to go there on ego night with all the ego comedians talking and telling their stories. I'm very happy about that. These are, this is what makes me happy. These are, you know, I can't be around people. I really don't enjoy 150. percent Two weeks a month, everybody prospers from me. I'm in a good mood. I'm not rushed. I'm not tired. I'm refreshed. My material will be. Br- you ever get to do the late show on Saturday? No. And you can't just fucking wait. Like he just won. Wanted-
1: oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought you were talking about the store. I was like, no, I never what do Saturdays. On, <laughs> what happens when
3: you're on the road as a comic is the first week is very, like, let's pretend this next week. I go to Vegas. I got two shows. I, I do the shows. I get off stage at 9. I talk to people till about 9.30. I smoke a joint. I go to my room. Maybe I eat something and I go to bed. Yeah. And I do the same Sunday and I come Saturday and I come home. That's one week under your belt. And then Sunday, I got a podcast. Monday, I got a podcast. Tuesday, I got a spot. And Wednesday, I'm on a plane to St. Louis. Okay? Thursdays are going to be great, man. I love Thursdays. Yeah. I love Thursdays. That's my night to sell tickets. There's only one show. I can take pictures with everybody. They put them on Twitter. People see you're approachable. They come to the shows. They heard you on Rogan. They saw you on Ari's show. Now you just give them that last push. They heard you on birth, they heard you on Friday with the kid. There's something they know you from, but they need that last push to go into the wallet and take that credit card <coughs> out. Yeah. I love Friday. Saturday I love because I'm going home. I can look at pictures of my daughter. I'm gonna see her in twenty four hours. Yes. I'll be home at ten. They're gonna leave. I come they come back at one. It gives me three hours to take a shower and go through my paperwork and staple my receipts and Put all my shit together, plane tickets and my check stubs. That's how I like to feel. I want to feel excited. On Saturday night, while I'm taking pictures, <laughs> if I'm telling people to shut the fuck up and hurry up, and I don't want to do it, you know, like yeah. I can feel myself becoming cunty. Yeah. There's no Snickers bar that takes that. That means you're actually burnt the fuck out. Yeah. That means you're burnt out. When you're doing that last half hour, and you're like, "I can't. I'll never say this joke again. I can't wait to get this joke out, so I have to say this again for the next five fucking days." Well, I don't have to. That, that's when you know you don't belong there. Yeah. And that's how I was feeling on the fourth week. And then I'm at the. And then I come in on Sunday, and I was too. I fell asleep, so I didn't get a guest for Monday. You know, it just it just doesn't work. Yeah. Just doesn't work for me. I'll be so tired from the 3 weeks on the plane that that Monday and Tuesday I won't go to jiu-jitsu. And I won't work out because you pay for everything.
1: Man, Joey, this this uh this conversation could not happen at a better time because that's what I have what's happening to me right now is I, I I'm going on the road really hard and
3: uh and, and I think Tom Tom is too. Tom and I have talked about this. That well, Tom is shooting a special in September. I see what Tom is coming from. This yeah. is training camp, okay? Training camp is completely different. Yeah. Training camp is different. If you come to me right now and says you're shooting your Netflix special in March, I'm going to lighten this schedule up till October. The next two months, I'm just going to write. I'm going to do hours at the ice house every week. Yeah. With a tape recorder, and if I get one sentence, he's out, it hard. What's that? Tom's burning it. Yeah. Okay. So if you do that, you're shooting a special. You got to burn it. Yeah. You got to burn it. I would burn it differently. I would go out three weeks, and then do a week at the ice house, like just three nights or one hour. Okay. So I never looked at it like training camps. I'm I'm shooting my special in February. So is it, you have a training camp that starts in November.
1: That's November first. November. So 1st. right now it's
3: just sh- throwing shit out. Right now the- you're throwing shit out. By November first, you've got your hour. Yeah. You've got what you want to talk about Now you want to have one fifteen, one thirty. 1.30 I'll tell you why Because after the hour shoots You want to have 20 minutes To start with Don't do <laughs> <laughs> That's what I learned this time I'm oh, never Joey That is the most brilliant Oh my god it's, ever. it's terrible Because now That's you're lost Brilliant stadium. Now you're lost in limbo Doing material So this is what I don't like About the hour situation Okay Okay I'm shooting an hour. So from November... Might as well pour another drink. ...to February, you're going to do that hour every night. Every night. Guess what? Now the special comes out in March, and everybody's seen that hour. Yeah. The last 12 weeks, the last 12 cities have seen that hour out of 25 cities that you go to.
1: My whole... my, my They will have seen it uh, from November, when I started writing this hour, in really shitty forms, from November to... February.
3: So I will overlap a couple of cities, I'm sure. So now what you do is you get the you get the uh when you shoot the special, you have an hour thirty, an hour thirty five, you put an hour ten down, and you still have twenty minutes left to start your new hour. 20, not only not only that. The your,
1: in, your, what what was not your weakest, but you can turn it into strong what was your weakest, but you can turn it into
3: strong. Now the other thing you do is that if you have an hour and a half you can mix it up. Because if you use an hour of that, the people will say, well, I heard that, but I didn't hear that. So now you got to mix it up every other night. You should mix it up with that other half hour. So every night you're doing three different, every night you're doing two different half hours, but you really have three half hours. You break it down into that yeah. micro, macro, where you have three half hours, and you're basically going to do two of them, but you're going to alternate to three you don't no. know, you really don't know when you're gonna alternate them if it takes you to that second bit bam and then you're gonna start mixing and matching so when your hour really comes out they've only seen 30 minutes of it
1: yeah yeah
3: this last
1: this last hour I did I took all the stuff I loved put it in all the stuff that killed I thought that was really good put it in oh those are amazing you've ever had one um, but then the, this uh, this new hour, this new hour I've got a saw sol- I've got a solid thirty five. That's it. Me too. I got a solid eighteen right now. If somebody offers me an hour, I got nothing. I could do thirty five that I'm really proud of. I don't know how to get into it technically. Um, I know that it, when it starts and it ends, it's good. Um, and then Leanne watched it and was like, Leanne watched it and was like, "There's seven minutes in there that's really hacky." and i was like really and she was like yeah i had this really great hand job that i was f- joke that i was afraid of that i loved and layham was like first of all I-, I feel like i heard patrice tell that before and i was like what she was like i don't know i just feel like i heard patrice tell that before and then she was like uh and there's only one good line in it so i i sh- stripped it out and then now i'm just telling the one good line in it and then uh and i have this this uh this fucking ralph sampson bit that i'm that if I could use Dune Buggy Jones <laughs> That's the fucking greatest, Joey. That's the fucking greatest, man. We should do the why don't why haven't we never done a theater together? Like me you and Tommy or Mew and Ari just to, for like not for the money but for the fun and to watch each other's sets and to help each other out. Is it because we don't have the
3: same agents? Yeah, probably. Probably. They've tried they've tried to put a couple of things together, but we're always so we're all doing our own thing, man. It would just be fun for the like me, you, Stanhope,
1: and Ralphie. Like just do it, just do a theater together, and 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 do favored nations, which I'm sure isn't fair to to. Three of you guys, <laughs> but but like but like like because you guys all I mean you guys would sell the majority of the tickets. Yeah, but, but like, still,
3: it would still be fun. Be fun. I just don't know how long I could tolerate it. There's too many personalities to deal with. Yeah, it's too much for me. You know what people don't realize in this fucking town? Yeah, that nobody ever tell you is that I've known Stanhope since 1991. Yeah, none of you motherfuckers. You heard of him in 2000. I already knew in 92 that Stan Hope was going to be something. First time I saw him, he was a feature act in Boulder. Yeah. And he he stayed at my house. Yeah. And then he came back the next year he was a headliner. He had Evening at the Improv. Really? Then he disappeared. And I kept hearing rumblings about this kid that lives in his car that's fucking hilarious. And I forgot his name. And I asked somebody one day, does this kid have long hands, really dirty? I go, is his name? And they said Doug. And I go, that's him. So I lived in Seattle and I was hearing about Doug. And then he destroyed the San Francisco comedy competition. The one he did against he, Dane. Yeah, and they robbed his car, and he had, to get a, he had to go to a second-hand store and buy a suit. And he won the 10000 and all that stuff. And, and that's when Doug was making, like, a a splatter. Like, I remember, Doug, listen, the first time Joe Rogan seen Doug Stanhope, it wasn't pretty. Joe left there like, what the fuck was that? Because really? Because Joe was straight then. Really? Joe was very straight. And the first thing Joe said to me the next morning was, that guy drank 12 beers on stage. He's got a problem. That's what Joe looked at. Like, that's the first thing Joe noticed. Really? Like, Joe was like, he did 12 beers. They drank eight shots. Like, that's how uptight Joe used to be. Really? Before Joe smoked pot, there's a story about Joe going off on me, Ricky, and Ralphie for getting high behind the comedy store one day. Ricky Cruz. Ricky Cruz and I went to college together. Me, Ricky, and Ralphie, one night, they were going to that strip club. What's yeah. that stupid strip club down the, the... clown room? No, no. The one down the corner from the comedy store.
1: Oh, the the I know the one. poppy, right on, the one. Yeah, right across from Dublin. And we
3: didn't want to go. And they kept going, why not? And we, we got shit to do. Joe had his buddies there, and we were smoking a joint. And Joe's like, this is why you guys stayed here? What's wrong with you guys? You guys have a problem. Really? Yeah, man. And then about a year later, he met Eddie. And he started getting Fucking high, Eddie and then everything Bravo. changed. Then everything changed. Like, he lightened up a hundred once he started smoking pot it was two different people really he called me that night he goes I just had the best ice cream sundae I've ever had in my life I go what are you talking about he goes I got high tonight it was great he did ecstasy too one time in Dallas when I first met him like no like I was doing drugs but he wasn't he did ecstasy and he (laughs) was pissed like he was pissed that he did it Joe's very self-conscious Joe's very self-conscious, like we all are, but he's a little oh, yeah, bit more. I'm pretty bad. So it was really weird that that's how Joe was. to Like Joe was very by the book, and then weed and life, and he met his wife and kids, and yeah. now he's the man he is. You know, you know, we all have grown. You know, when Josh said those statements about me, I felt the growth. But we've all grown, you know. But the Stanhope thing, like I love Doug Stanhope. Oh, I love Doug. I love everything about Doug. I've known Doug's mother yeah. with the fake tits, the cats. <laughs> Doug just shows up at nine people. I don't want to be around. Yeah. Like, last week he was in town. Oh, was he? And his publicist called me, and they said, "Does he wants to do the podcast. I said, he can do the podcast, but here are the rules. Because it's my fucking podcast. Was he on your podcast? No, because we couldn't come to... I love Doug. Yeah. But he's in a show with four people. I can't have that in my podcast. Yeah. I can't have four people in my office. They drive me crazy. Yeah. You know, and, and they're hippies, whatever the fuck. I can't have that. I can't hippies, have that. Hippies, whatever the fuck. I can't have that. I love yeah. Doug. Doug's my brother. He's my brother, bro. Yeah. My brother, I love him more. I love him more than most. I miss him. I miss him around the store because yeah. he would straighten people up. Like, I love when he's on Joe's podcast. Yeah. I encourage him to smoke. Like, whenever he's on Joe's podcast, I'll stop and get a pack of Marlboro Lights from
2: <laughs> Really? Uh, because
3: every time he puts a cigarette in his mouth and you hear this, look at Joe's face. Really? Oh, my God. Joe. I forget. I, I forget there's backstory with that. Joe man. will be talking to somebody and Doug will be here smoking. And every time he hears, he'll just look over like... Joe <laughs> don't like cigarette smoke and shit, yeah, so it's 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 I'm known you know I love there's so many things I love to do right now, yeah, but the reality is i'm fifty four years old, and my plate's full, I got two weeks a month, my plate's full, yeah, my plate's fucking full, you know, you want me to go somewhere like I'm doing uh this month, I got three weeks that's a rarity because Vegas is like, do you this month. Vegas, St. Louis, and then I got one night to Borgata.
2: Oh, nice.
1: So
3: I fly in Friday, 2 in the afternoon, That's gonna be great. go to my room, eat a steak, work out, go to bed early, get up Saturday. That's going to be great. Do the show, and I'm back on a 6 a.m. flight Sunday morning. I get to L.A. at 10.30. Wow. Uh, there's no drama in my life, bro. And it, And I feel bad for people. I really feel bad for people. But they don't understand. That I get off on that. I have been like this since I'm 20. Yes. When I was 20, I would play tricks on my friends. And I couldn't believe how crazy it would drive them. Like, just disappearing on a Friday. Yeah, And I'd just be home, watching TV with a bong. And they'd be going, like, why didn't you, where were you Friday night? It's oh. the busiest night of the week. Doesn't mean nothing to me. Yeah. Last week at Governor, some kid came up to me. And he was this great kid. But he asked me four times after the show, what, what, what are you drinking? Do you want to do a shot? I told him ten times, I don't want to do a shot. I'm just going to drink soda and talk to this guy here. You want to take a picture? Let's do it. Again, You want to come on, man. What, what, what kind of shot do you want? Yeah. Dog, I don't want to. Like, they don't get it that I'm not going to budge at all. Yeah. Like, people do not understand that it's the way I am. And you're not going to. I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't even like people who drink at dinner. Really? Like when I go to a restaurant with you and you start ordering cocktails, it bothers me. We came here to eat. You want to drink? Go somewhere else. <laughs> go somewhere else. Take a fucking hike. When when I go to drink and snort coke, I want to drink and snort coke. Don't play pool. I don't want no darts flying through the fucking air while I'm trying to play pool. Yeah, when I drink and snort, I don't want movement. I don't like movement. Yeah. Like, if right now me and you brought two chicks here, I don't like a lot of movement. Really? Once they start talking, <laughs> relax. Let's call my friend. No, don't call your friend, Cindy, because no, ain't nobody else coming here. <laughs> I'll throw them out. I got a certain amount of coke. Both of these are sucking dick, and that's all that's going to happen here yeah. tonight. I don't like no outsiders. Like that scene with the Goodfellas, where she said there was never no outsiders. Yeah. I grew up, there's no outsiders. Yeah. When I invite Bert to my house, don't bring somebody. Yeah. Come solo. Don't bring any of your creepy friends. I don't know. I don't want them to see what we're doing here. Like, oh. I was raised, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. more secretive. I don't like movement when I get. When I was snorting, you know why I didn't like people around me when I was doing Coke? Why? Because I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. Snort the Coke and shut your mouth and watch TV. All right? I
1: didn't like people, if I was doing Coke, I didn't like people that messed with the radio. Anything. I was fucking driving Anything, nuts. anything. Like, I was like, if we're listening
3: to that song, let's listen to the whole song. No, 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 let's move. The, the yeah. TV, once it's six or seven people, I take my cocaine and go home. <laughs> I like snoring with one or two. And women? Like, if I brought a woman, I never brought a woman up to my room that was 50-50. Really? Yeah, like, if she's like, well, I have a boyfriend, listen, here's the deal. Yeah. I got an eight ball of coke. You want to do a line, we're going up to my room. But I'll tell you what. And within an hour, we'll put you to work. What does that mean? It means you're going to be sucking dick and I'm going to be eating your pussy and eating ass. And they would turn pale. Yeah. And some of them would walk away, but some of them would come. If they came, they knew what time it was. I didn't play. Don't come here to snort my coke and tell me a story you're on the period because I'll throw you out the window. (laughs) I would even tell them, you're not on your period, are you? No. Okay. Then you come up because if you waste my time with that bloody pussy... You come up and you got that bloody pussy, and all I can do is suck titties and get a blowjob. I'm going to be pissed the fuck We're off. We're such different people. Oh, no, no, no. I don't like none of that shit. I don't like no drama.
1: I would never say no. any of that. I love, and I totally go to dinner and have, that's like. No, I know. Uh, can I get a, I'm going to start. I'm going to start. No,
3: I never understood. <laughs> when I go to eat, I go to eat. <laughs> You want to drink go over there and drink with your buddies. It's
1: interesting that tomorrow we'll be hanging out and decorating bikes and, and going on a, like it's interesting that we're friends but, but we're so different
3: people. I had a friend in high school. I loved him to death. I still talk to him. One of yeah. my best friends in life. He was always Johnny Wombois. All right. When we were kids when we were kids and we go to his house Johnny, Johnny from Bois, okay. Yeah. I'm the type of guy you got wine, Bert? got any wine? Yeah. Give me the fucking bottle. You give me the bottle, and I pour it in this glass, and I drink it. Yeah. No. There's always assholes. Hold on. Let me go get a wine glass. Yeah. Just give me the fucking glass. <laughs> I got to wait. Just pour the fucking wine in there. What's the yeah. difference? Well, the wine glass, the aromatic. Listen, shut the fuck up before I smack you. Just give me the fucking wine. Yeah. He would always come down with wine glasses. It would piss me the fuck off to no end. And the girls would be impressed. Oh, my God. Shut the fuck up. Drink the wine. Just shut the fuck up. Drink the fucking wine, you know? Like, I'm one of those guys. I don't like no drama. And the people I grew up I remember one time going out to dinner with my friends. I'll never forget this. I still talk to them. The Holloways. Roger had just graduated high school. The craziest family I grew up with. Yeah. Dad was a bookie. Mom worked in the city on a ship, like, uh, for a shipping company. And it's his 18th. We just graduated high school. And he took us to a fancy restaurant. And I'll never forget the guy comes over with the thing in front of him. Yeah. The Mister Holloway says, "Can I get a bottle of wine?" The guy comes over with the thing in front of him, and he you know takes the bottle and he pours a little and he tastes it first. I'll never forget. In high school, in high school, my friend looked and he goes, Ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. "Just give me the fucking wine." The guy's face turned pale. Really? Like, just give me the wine. I don't want no show. Yeah. You don't have to taste it. You don't do nothing. Just take a fucking eye. Give me the wine. Like, we all froze at the table. Oh. Like, I grew up with people like that. Like, one time we were at a buffet, and some fat chick was eating ribs, and I kept looking at my friend Roger. And he was eating, but he kept looking at it. And he would look at it, and he would get mad, and he'd look at it. And finally, I saw him put the fork down, and he threw the napkin down. And he went up to the chicken, and he goes, let me ask you a question. Because she kept eating all the spare ribs. <laughs> There was this place that gave you half a spare rib. Yeah. And she was taking all of them. And she was dipping her fat little fingers in the spare ribs and putting them back. Oh, and wow. my friend, like two weeks after the incident with the fucking wine guy, yeah. he went up to this chicken and he goes, let me ask you a question. Before you eat that wing, before you eat that rib, do me a favor. Go to the bathroom, look at your ass, and ask yourself, do I really need this rib? <laughs> I'll never forget, we turned purple. Yeah, the people I grew up with were very like we don't like chit chatter. Yeah, there's no chit like my wife she would have got killed. Really, like my friends would have stabbed That's her.
1: That's so yet. funny, Ter- Ooh, Terry's Terry. Someone- Terry's
3: a sweetheart. Yeah, but she's so someone that She oh. likes to do chit chatter. I'm deaf. Yeah, don't be chit chattering. If you got something to say, say it. Don't be chit chattering. Yeah, I don't like that uh, sitcom mentality, like little jokes. My friends would have killed her. Yeah, my friends would have stabbed her. They didn't like that either. You get in the car with them, shut the fuck up. Somebody comes to the window, say what you got to say. We're from that mentality. Yeah. Like, we don't know nothing. Hey, where's the part? I don't know. Are you guys going? I don't know where we're going. Go. <laughs> you know, Step on it. I don't know. You know, yeah. We don't know nothing. We came from that type of society, like Santeria, like Santeria, like yeah. the Cuban religion, yeah. Yeah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. I, I went to jiu-jitsu the other day. And there was a kid, because I go to two different places to jiu And I went to this one place to one day, and the kid is, has a friend of mine. And that guy's a big Santeria guy. And he goes, do you talk to him a lot? I go, I talk to him three times a week. I'm just not involved in his type of Santeria. And he goes, what do you mean? I go, I was raised with Santeria. You kept it quiet. He's raised like Jesus, that he's spreading the word and getting people that don't he really He wants people know. know he's in Santeria. It's funny because... I've been to his things, and it's white people who don't know what they're getting involved into. Yeah. They're just doing it to be cool. This is a place where religion is very uh, cliquish. People aren't really religious in California. Yeah. They're really not. They go to church because, like, I went to that church on the corner of... Moore Park and Cofa, my wife goes to that church with the baby on Sundays, yeah, do you know why I never went back there? Why? Because, because a girl told me at church, "Oh my God, uh, the guy from Breaking Bad's father comes here and the story God. you know, I went to Catholic Church once in Hollywood. The guy was the usher that's the only people people would go to James Woods yeah was the usher at that that's church dick. that's the only reason why people would go there was to see James Woods and to ask him questions about casino. That's not religion where I came from. Yeah. So it's so weird. He goes, really? Is Santeria that much different? I go, no. It's more quiet than Cuban religion. We're not throwing it in your fucking face. So you're sitting there going, what the fuck are these people doing? Yeah. It's more quiet. He's a black guy. He walks around with a white robe on. He's great at what he does, but it's two different styles. Yeah. You know, I came from a style. My whole society was very more quiet. Don't speak unless you're spoken to. If you don't know... Shut the fuck up. Yeah. If you don't know, don't say to me, well, I didn't know. Then you shouldn't have said nothing. Right. If you didn't know, don't say nothing. Don't fucking say nothing, you know? That's the kind of, so it's kind of, uh, that's where I'm different. Like, I don't like the chit chatter. Like, I guess, like Tom that's, Segura. Yeah. You and girl's. When I leave the store, like, I love comics, but it's so weird. Like, I don't find the social life with comics. Yeah. Like there's very few comics I have a social life with. I'm friends with Joe Rogan. He's my brother. But I'm not social with Joe Rogan. Our children don't play together. We don't really do anything together except comedy. Yeah. You know, Joe and I are completely different individuals. But when Joe and I sit down on the plane together and there's no distractions and we talk comedy, Joe knows what the fuck I'm saying.
2: Yeah.
3: And Joe respects what the fuck I'm saying and where I'm coming from with it. But Joe and I are two completely different people. I love him. You know, you, you say you like to drink at dinner. I can't. You know that, right? I can't. Yeah. Because when, when I was broke, I have that mentality from when I was broke. When you're broke, you take a girl out on a dinner, you got a hundred bucks. This bitch wants to order a $14 mojito. <laughs> bitch, there goes your appetizer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So used to drink like, when when you're broke and the chick's ordering drinks, you can't even focus. You're just counting on the $8 a pop. when you got $120 to spend you gotta fuck it you wanna get blow so that's why I I think someone's breaking into my house I think someone's breaking into my fucking house Do where hold on hold on Why you got the alarm
1: (sighs) holy shit
3: what did you hear the garage door. Oh, okay. I didn't hear shit. Piss
1: my pants. I got to piss. We should wrap this up, Joey. We've done three hours.
3: What time is it? It's uh, midnight. Jesus Christ. Fuck yeah. It's midnight. Beautiful. Um, Thank you for having me. Brother, you know I love a you. A pleasure. St. Louis next week. The Borgata July 29th. That's it. I love you, brother. I love uh, you. I'll uh, I'll talk to you after this. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. All right, brother. Bye.